Rock Salt Radio. Be afraid also, tremendously afraid, for the day of reckoning is upon us. Broadcasting from within our six feet social distance. Oh, yeah? Well, me and the Lord, we got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. Mm-hmm. Putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Matt, me and Elwood. Putting the band back together. Ma'am, you gotta understand that this is a lot bigger than any domestic problems you might be experiencing. Would it make you feel any better if you knew that what we're asking Matt here to do is a holy thing? You see, we're on a mission from God. That's why why I left. Why would I let him come First over here? First, you trade the Cadillac for a microphone. Then you lie to me about the band. Now you're gonna put me right back in the joint. They're not gonna catch us. We're on a mission from God. It's a holy thing, honey. I gotta go over there. <laughs> it's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Isn't that what you say to Don every time you get in the Bluesmobile? <laughs> every single time. <laughs> Hit it. Lord works in mysterious ways. Yep. Strike up the band, Sal. And she's like, that's everything is totally irrelevant, right, Aaron? You don't smoke. Uh, yeah, we got a tank of gas because I filled it up last night. <laughs> I really don't care how far it is to Chicago. Yeah. The, We're the, just going to the store. Yeah, <laughs> the way she drives, the spinning of the tires is more her than, than me. So uh, I'm the slowpoke behind the wheel. Well, I was listening back to the Sal Policetti interview last week. Or this week, actually. Yeah. He's such a great guest. He is. He really is. And he's just full of stories, and he's so... He's funny. That dude's cool and funny. Yeah. What is he, 68? I don't want to... Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I hope when I'm 68, I got a lot more stories than I do now. Yeah. That was a good interview. Uh, And what did you think of the new version of uh, Jesus is a Friend with Rude Boy George? Yeah. Great updated version. Yeah, I'm gonna, current, I'm gonna, you know? I'm gonna throw it at the end of the show. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, of course we, you, you did the insiders. Jesus is a friend last yeah. week as well. So, yeah. Very cool. Get everybody. Uh, okay. Well, it is hey. a big. We'll stop. I'll stop living in the past. And it is a, a big day as we got a lot lined up for today. Thank you, Aaron, for uh, jam packing the show. No pun intended. No, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but yeah, you know, it's jam packed. Uh, we've got Coffee House Keegan from Dead Sin coming in to talk about the new one. We have my friend Connie Jackson coming in to talk about her new one. And uh, I'm missing, oh, we're going to have Rob from No Lost Cause to yeah. talk about Woodstock 99. Yeah, the HBO uh, documentary show, or however you want to say it. Yeah, I watched a little of it last night to try to catch up on it, because I did watch it. I thought it was great. And uh, But, you know, documentaries I typically watch once and move on. But uh, 
Rob and I got to talking about it, and I guess he watched it and posted on Instagram that it's all a bunch of hooey. Yeah. So I want to talk to Rob and find out what's what what was he was there yeah he was there i'll take it from somebody that was there over a documentary so yeah his experience yeah so we're going to talk about that we got music coming up we're going to flash back to 2002 yeah 2002 2002 and i was going over the analytics this week and finding out where our listeners are two new countries dave Singapore and Russia. Ah. We're, we're going country by country. That is very nice. I I, I dig that. I like Singapore, uh, but I, I'm really impressed that uh, somebody in Russia turned us on. Now, I'm hoping that... Did they listen to the whole show, or did I, they just I, like, I, oh, I I wait, can't. no, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell that, so... Oh, all right. Again, thank you all for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, it's rocksaltradio at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and we're on about every podcast uh, uh, platform out there, you can listen to us, and uh, and I just, all, we also got our ugly mugs on YouTube, so you can. I just us signed up, up for uh, Spotify Green Room. Okay. Do you know what that is? No, I have no idea. I don't know what it is either. But Spotify said, "Do you want to be a part of this?" And it seemed kind of cool. It's kind of a social network uh, group chat sort of thing. Um, so I just signed up for that today. We're going to check that out, see if it's worth uh, you know opening up a room. I don't know. We'll see. It might be a good way to converse with people. Oh, that might be. You know? So, we'll check it out. We'll see what's up with that. What do we got lined up, Aaron? Because we've talked way too long. Uh, Kirk Franklin coming up. So, if you're listening to the MuseCast Experience, uh, Kirk Franklin is going to be right now. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Jenny from the band Saving Jackie. And you're listening to Rock Salt MuseCast Experience with Aaron and Dave. Rock Salt Musecast experience with Aaron and Dave and a very special guest, my friend, Connie Jackson from SoCal. She's used to, she's used to the studio audience, though. She's a big celebrity, Aaron. Oh. <laughs> At the moment, Aaron's going, who? <laughs> now, now, I told Aaron uh, last week, you, you may not know Connie by name, but you know Connie. You've seen Connie because she's in lots of different things. She's in, uh, well... Probably the biggest thing you're doing right now, Connie, is NCIS, right? Yeah. You're Elaine on NCIS. Yeah. I've just been, you know, I just, I'm a recurring guest. Yeah. I've been doing that for like the last nine years or whatever. And, El and she, uh, she wants to leave them wanting, wanting all the time. Yeah. That's why she, That's right. you know, yeah. leave them wanting more. Yeah. I, right. You know, I don't want to be a regular person. I, you know, <laughs> want to go everywhere else. Isn't that the first rule? Of being a performer, Connie, leave them wanting more. Leave them wanting more. Never overstay your welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, Elaine is the uh, is the diner waitress, yeah. right? I'm Gibbs. Uh, Mark Harmon's character Gibbs, his favorite waitress, and that's kind of grown over the years and stuff. So it's like it's really nice. They're the nicest group of people ever. I, yeah, yeah. You always post about your times on NCIS, and you have nothing but positive things to say you're not one of those hollywood people yeah. that that's a diva and i hate that word i don't used to always <laughs> you know because when there was a time when people used to use that as kind of a compliment yeah so i was like that's not a oh. that's not a compliment because the divas i've known i'm like i don't like them <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you just got to put up with them right 
Connie? Oh yeah, you know, but you know, it's I I understand when people say it, you know, when they think they're giving you a compliment. I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. But you know. Yeah, I I get it. But <laughs> so uh, I'll give you a little history here, Aaron. Uh, I met Connie when I was eleven years old, he and was a kid. I was a little kid, and um, he's still a kid at heart, though. I try. He's a kid to me. Connie was um, at Marriott's Great America in Santa Clara. And she was doing a show called The Evolution of Rock. Mm-hmm. And um, I, don't, I don't remember the names of everybody involved with it, but uh, I went and saw it when I was like 11 years old. I thought it was great. And it, oh. was, it was about the evolution of rock. It started like in the 50s, and they did like, uh, you know, rock around the clock and stuff like that. And then uh, it progressed into the 80s. Up to the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up to the 80s. And uh, who were some of the, the characters that you played in Evolution of Rock? Oh, boy, I'm reaching back here. Um, let's see. There was, gosh, these are people. Donna Summer. It sounds so old now. Well, and all that music was supposed to be new. But um, Donna Summer. Um, uh, there was Donna Summer. Tina Turner. Not in that particular one, but they had a Tina Turner later. Yeah. Um, but we did everything. You, you know, I. it was one of those summer jobs. It was a summer job. And yeah. that's where I got all of my lifetime friends. That's why I still know David. Right. You know, like you think you t- think something's going to be like this little cheesy summer job, but it ends up being like one of the best experiences of your life. Well, the whole crew was pretty influential on me, you know, about leading me down what I wanted to do and that sort of thing. And it definitely turned me on to music because it was all this different music crammed into one show, you know, fifties through the eighties. But, um, so I was so into the show, my, I got home and my mom said, hey, write them a letter. You should write them a letter. So I wrote uh, the cast a letter and I got a call from, uh, and I can't remember her name, but she was like the secretary to some vice president or something. She said, oh, we want to, do you know who I'm talking about, Connie? I, re- I remember people from the office in, because I worked at that park in Chicago, but yeah. when I met you, I had come out to California for the summer. And after that summer, that's when I decided to move to California a couple years later. I got gotcha. you. So I, know he, I think I, it was somebody in, in um, entertainment or something. Yeah. And uh, she was a very nice lady. We had lots of lunches with her. And uh, she said, we want to invite you down to the park and hang out with the, the cast and crew and all that. And I met some just amazing people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking about this yesterday when I was thinking about this interview, which is there's certain things that happen in life where it's just lightning in a bottle and a certain crew of people regardless of where you're working or whatever a certain crew of people come together that are just perfect Mm -hmm. and uh it's you you make these lifetime friendships and and it was just an amazing time and and it can't be recreated it's just it has to come together naturally and that's what that crew from evolution of rock uh really was and we're all we're all still friends. Most of us, the majority of us, still keep we still keep in touch. We still see each other. A bunch of us are going to end up in the desert, retired together. You know, <laughs> it's true because we all keep in touch. You're going to start a evolution of rock uh, commune, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> a little, a little senior community <laughs> <laughs> well now i uh i don't want to uh downplay well first of all i want to get this one out of the way we mm-hmm. gotta we gotta 
I can't talk about evolution of rock without bringing up one of the most amazing people that I've ever met, which was Julie Romano. And you'll agree oh, with me on Julie that. Romero, yeah. Or Romero, sorry, Julianne. Romero. Julianne, yeah. yeah. She was this amazing uh, young woman, probably younger than everybody else in the crew, I think. We were. She was like maybe a year. We were. We were close. Oh, were you? Okay. She was very bubbly and yeah, she was a beautiful dancer and just. I mean, you know, you could. She was just bubbly, and and she was always like that. It wasn't fake and whatever, but we all still miss her. Yeah. Now, Julie uh, Julie passed away. She had a, a brain tumor. Brain tumor. Yeah, she passed away in the eighties, and uh, uh, but you can't. I mean, when I talk to any of you guys from that era, it, her name always comes up. We've never oh, forgotten always. Julie because she was always. just such we, this amazing person. Yeah, we still keep in touch with her family too. Oh, we do you? Still, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. We still keep in touch. I'm telling you, it's just like you said, lightning in a bottle. Yeah. It, you know, you like I said, you think it's just this summer job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I you re- end up with. Yeah, these amazing connections. And yeah. I get the feeling that if if Julie was here today, she'd be the uh, the cheerleader. She'd be the one getting everybody together. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so I kept in touch with another guy named Kenny Ingram and he oh, went yeah. on to, uh, he He's went on, York. he went on to New York, which was always his dream. And, uh, he made it on uh, Broadway in the Lion King. I think and he's choreographer. He's a choreographer now. He's doing a lot of stuff now as a choreographer. Yeah, he's an amazing dancer, and and uh, he's just very talented. And once again, another nice guy. So I I found Kenny on Facebook after so many years. Mm-hmm. I found Kenny on Facebook, and I I sent him this message, and he says, "I'm sorry, I really don't remember, but post some pictures. Maybe that'll jog my memory." So yep. I did. I, there's a picture of me with the whole cast, and. Um, what I didn't realize was it kind of opened up Pandora's box because mm-hmm. Connie contacted me and uh, Lisa Todd contacted me and yep. someone else contacted me. And, and I was like, wow. Yeah, we all kind of chimed in. It was like, wow, that's a picture from when we were kids. Yeah, exactly. And here's a little 11-year-old David standing in front. Um, so I love that picture, by the way. So I, yeah. uh, Connie and I start talking. I, I give her a call. And I said, so what, what are you doing now? And uh, uh, she blew me away with the answer. I don't know if you remember the answer, but. Was she's... I with Phil? Huh? Was I with Phil? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you want to you tell him? Uh, here, we'll just play it out. So, Connie, what are you doing now? <laughs> oh, I'm on tour with Phil Collins. There you go. <laughs> I'm like, what? No way. And she says, yeah, I'm actually in the. The DVD of, of uh, oh, yeah, the first yeah, farewell, first farewell. It was, it was it was called the first farewell. Finally, the first farewell tour. Right, and I went. Wait a minute! I've got that DVD. I've watched uh, that multiple times. I never noticed it. And then I went back and watched it. And went, wow! I had no clue, and I don't know why I didn't pick up on your name when he introduced you. But there you are, funny. singing back up for Phil. So you got these. She always posts these great pictures. I remember the pictures from like Tel Aviv and, and Moscow, you touring around with Chester. And uh, uh, I'm yeah, so envious. I'm so yeah, envious yeah. because these are some of my favorite musicians are, are Chester, uh, Chester Thompson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chester Thompson. He's the drummer. Daryl Sturmer. Yep. And Lee uh, yeah, Lee Sklar. Leland played on my record. Did he really? 
Yeah, Leland is is playing bass on my record, and so is um, Luis Conte did percussion. Oh, nice. He, he toured with us with Bill, um, and um, just I, I got lucky with the people that are on the record. I so, just got lucky. So how do you? Uh, uh, how did you like working for Phil? He's the best. You know, I I adore him. He's they. That's another family. That's like a real family. Um, and he, you know, we traveled with him on the private jet. We stayed where he stayed. It wasn't like, oh, okay, let's put the band over there. We stayed where he stayed, and they took care of us. You didn't have to get on the broken down bus while Phil climbed on the private jet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see you in a couple no. days. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, no, but I mean, you know, I and it, that was my first time touring with anybody. I haven't toured with a bunch of people. I, that was the big one. Phil was the big one, where I did that tour in two oh four and oh five, and then we got together again in twenty ten. Yeah, he did the Motown thing, if I remember. Yeah, and, and he wasn't. He didn't mean. To, he wasn't meaning to for that to be a big tour but it kind of turned into a mini one we only did like a three cities or something like yeah. that yeah yeah i remember but, i wanted to go see that but i couldn't couldn't make it yeah i i adore him and i was glad i got to see him when they did his the the last show of his not dead yet tour yeah uh, it before the before the quarantine right um they did their last show in vegas in october of 2019 it's so weird to say 2019 it's like where did that year go um and so I went and got to say hi because I hadn't seen him in a while. And it was just really lovely to see everybody and and all of that. And just just cool. There was yeah. a lot of crying <laughs> <laughs> from everybody because, you know, I hadn't seen people in a while. And um, he's just a really cool man. Yeah. You know, yeah. Really he cool seems guy. like he is. Now, another thing that uh, uh, you are known for is being in Dreamgirls. <laughs> a long time ago. Long time ago. I wasn't, but I wasn't with the, you know, I, I did a revival on Broadway. So I wasn't with your with the Jennifer Holidays and all that, but I was with a bunch of other great people. So yeah, it's yeah. amazing how you come across all these really talented people uh, when you run but in you these circles. What, David, you know what? I have to say, and I, I, there's no other way to say it. Working at the theme park prepared me for hopping into Broadway. Did it really? Because at the time, you know, you know how um, theme parks now, all the music is canned and all of that kind of stuff. Right. It wasn't canned back then. Mm -hmm. We had a full orchestra at a theme park. You did. I remember that. And there were no tracks to anything. Everybody was singing live. You had 18 people on stage with, you know, with with mic cords. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Doing choreography, and they even had choreography for getting the you know getting around the chord situation. So it really? was just kind of like that prepared me when I finally went to Broadway, and I was an understudy on Broadway. And you know when you when people notice that you're learning stuff quickly, it's because of all the stuff I learned at at the theme parks. Yeah, it set you up nicely. It's a yeah. nice little uh, jumping platform. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't. You know, when I was meeting y'all at at eleven years old. I never thought that, um, you know, I was meeting future, you know, showbiz people. I mean, yeah. can, can we talk about some of the stuff that people have done from Evolution of Rock? I mean, is that okay? Oh 
Well, I mean, okay, the first one that, the first one that comes to mind is your friend Lisa. Is Lisa? She was on in Living Color a long time ago as a fly one of the fly girls, right? And has since become an entrepreneur, businesswoman in her own right. She started a jewelry company and she did all this other stuff. You know, she's she's great, and that's we're going to end up living in the desert together. <laughs> A bunch of us already, you know, we're we're gonna we're we're gonna sell our house and move out there. Hopefully, within a few months. But, you know, there are some of them that are already there. Yeah, <laughs> and we and all within a mile of each other. So it, that's what's gonna be funny. Little old people. Together. Isn't that crazy? That I mean, that yeah. still kind of blows me away that these people that you knew from nineteen eighty two, you're all moving to the same area. I mean, you're we all- you're connected all through life. We were all in our twenties then when, when we met you, we were, what was that? 80, that was 82. Yeah. So I was 22. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm 61 now. Well, you don't look a day over 33. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you do look good. You do look good. Um, so Lisa, Lisa Todd, she was a fly girl. And mm-hmm. I, every once in a while, I, I watch the old in living colors cause they're funny. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I, my son will be sitting there. I go, I know her. That's Lisa. <laughs> Nobody still gorgeous, still gorgeous as ever. Oh, beautiful woman. Still. <laughs> um, and then you know, uh, a lot of other people went into like pro- producing different things or whatever. I don't have a list in my head, but you know, some got out of the business and went another way, you know? Um, and you know, Rick got out of the business and became an exec at the, at the Grammys and all that kind of stuff. Um, and who, uh, well, they, I, they kind of scattered. Yeah. You know? And then there was a, uh, uh, Jeff, I briefly spoke with him on Facebook. He doesn't remember me, but, uh, yeah. he's off yeah. Jeff Chartran, Chartran. Oh my gosh. I haven't seen him since probably 1982. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. He's like a teacher now or something like that. Oh, so, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, uh, but you, you're, you guys are always connected. So, uh, and, and even though this is, uh, maybe not one of the, the, uh, most Phil Collins NCIS famous things, uh, you were even playing Aretha Franklin at universal, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, what's funny that job came along and it was perfect because it was at a time where, you know, I've never had to, nothing wrong with it, but I've never had to be a waitress or anything. That was my bread and butter job for a long time. And I could go off and, and do, and tour. When I went and when I came back for after uh, touring with Phil, Mm -hmm. I went back to my spot in the Blues Brothers at Universal. Oh, awesome. You know, so that was it. Those kind of jobs are few and far between. And I don't know if anybody does that anymore. But we could go off and do stuff. I could go off and do a commercial and, you know, you had your sub come in. So it was just, it was perfect. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I'm thankful for all those kind of jobs because they helped you, you keep know. the ball rolling. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and Connie does commercials too. The one that comes to mind is the, the pumpkin spice commercial because you got that look on your face. This woman's like buying uh, just cases of pumpkin spice creamer or something like that and oh my God, that was a long time ago. yeah, yeah it, it was a few years ago. ago but connie's the oh, yeah. checkout person and she kind of gives her this look like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> we, we became friends off of that spot we're still friends oh really wow <laughs> i pick up friends with my jobs i pick up friends they yeah and see so like i'll just be watching tv and then all of a sudden you go is that connie 
Oh, that's Connie. Look. <laughs> so. Um, it's really cool, though, because it's like I, you know, I still love what I do. You know, I didn't, a lot of my friends have left it. They got, you know, a little bitter or whatever and things, you know, you just kind of stick with it. You got to roll with it. And so, so far it's, it's working. Yeah. So yeah. Going to move off to the desert soon. So something's right. That's right. <laughs> like, bye-bye, LA. <laughs> you, know, you know, me and my wife have been on a few cruise, cruises and they have entertainers on the cruises. Uh-huh. And yeah. I, I think, man, it's, you know, it, it's a cool gig. You get to travel the world and uh, yeah. get paid, paid whatever you get paid. Uh, but it's a nice stepping stone to probably something later on, you know. I have, yeah, I have friends that do it. that And I've thought about doing it, you know, possibly after I get to the desert. Um, but, no, I have friends that do it, and they see the world on somebody else's dime. And it's great. They, they've gone everywhere. Yeah. I did a piece for a, lo- a while, a, lo- a long time ago in the early like nineties and it was fun. But then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, you get seasick now. It's not so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but but these are great stepping stone jobs, just like that job you had at at great America. It it turned in, it turned into a career. Yep. And I tell people all the time, it's like, there is no little job. You will learn something from every, you know, everything you do. You, I take something from that. And it's and there's stuff that I still am thankful for that job because I hadn't done a job like that before. Big production numbers. You know, I was 19 when I got that 18 or 19 when I got that job. And I had never done big shows with an orchestra and choreography. And it forced us to learn how to do dances that we didn't know, you know, because we did dances like one of the shows went from the 40s to the 80s or whatever. And we had to learn 40s dancing, had never did. And we were all non-dancers. There were maybe two dancers in the cast. And I, you know, but we did it. And we still laugh about that. We're like, if we had to do that today, they'd have to have oxygen off stage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to come back and talk more about evolution or rock in a minute. But Mm -hmm. I want to talk about... um, I want to talk about the new single and Aaron's telling me to break. So let's, uh, we'll just tease it a little. And yeah. uh, the new, the new single that you have out is called this day, which we're going to play. Yes. Cool. Oh, and, nice. and then we'll talk about it. Yes. Okay, so cool. are we doing this day right here? Yeah. Aaron? If you're listening to the Musecast experience, here it comes. Yeah. This is this day from Connie Jackson on the rock salt Musecast experience. This is Keegan from Dead Sin, and you're listening to Rock Salt Radio. Rock Salt Musecast Experience with Aaron and Dave. And on the phone, we've got Rob from Florida. Rob is in No Lost Cause. Yep. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Pretty good, yourself? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm uh, trying to line up the studio audience here and let them in the door, but it's not working out for me. There they are. There they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, why don't you do a backstory? Why we're we had him, we we had well we had him on. Uh, yeah, we had Rob ago. on a couple of weeks ago, and we started talking about Woodstock '99 somehow. Right, and I I mentioned that I had watched this documentary on Woodstock '99 on HBO. And uh, you, Rob, and said that you didn't even know it was out there, but you were at Woodstock 99. And then uh, apparently you made a post on Instagram, and I'll let Rob take it from there. 
Yeah, it was, uh, and obviously 1999. Um, and I remember going to it and, uh, I had no idea there was a documentary or anything out. So, you know, after the last time we spoke, I went and, uh, I went on to HBO max. I think it was where it was. And I watched it and it just wasn't what I was hoping to see, to be honest. <laughs> Were you hoping for like all the good memories or, or what, or, or just an, did it give an even, a fair and balanced representation of Woodstock 99. I'll put it like that. No, I didn't think so at all. Like it's, they made it sound like the entire time was just, a, you know, from, from the second you set foot on the ground to the minute you left, it was nothing but violence and chaos, vandalism and yeah. theft. And yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't like that the entire time. I mean, Grant, I would be stupid to say that, you know, it didn't happen at all. I mean, it gradually, you know, got it turned into what it what you saw on the news and everywhere else but it wasn't like that the entire time yeah and and i i think the the documentary did kind of lead you to believe that the entire what was it three days was it oh it's two days two days was just yeah mayhem yeah and that was definitely not the case um I, I'm I'm sure that a couple of things were accurate. I'm sure it was like 110 degrees out there, right? It was extremely hot. Oh yeah, it was it was really hot. I remember the heat real good. I remember one day, you know, yeah, you, you we had to bring our tents, and I went with I worked at UPS at the time, and I went with a couple guys from there, and it was so so hot. And the one day, I I think I had just finished watching Megadeth, and I was and find where I was in the midst of everybody. And this freak thunderstorm just hit out of nowhere. Really? And I see people chasing tents down the, the makeshift uh, roads and everything else. It was it was a nice relief, but at the same time, you're like, I hope my stuff is still there. <laughs> you know, that I, I haven't been to a festival where you camp out. And I, I've been to festivals where there is camping, but I didn't camp. And I've always wondered that is... Uh, you know, I don't trust everybody at a festival. They're not all no. good people. <laughs> you know, unfortunately not. <laughs> you know, somebody's got the idea of, hey, while everybody's out watching Megadeth, I think I'm just going to raid the campsites. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure there was plenty of that that happened. Thankfully, I didn't have to deal with any of that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, so the documentary said there was roughly two hundred to three hundred thousand people out there. Would you say that was accurate? Oh yeah, there's there was man. If you just like watch some of the uh, every once in a while, I'll, I'll try and watch some different performances and see if I you know see myself or one of the guys I knew. And you know the size of this crowd is just immense. Yeah, I you know that was one of the things we we go to aftershock out here in Sacramento, and uh, their capacity like fifty five thousand something like that, and that's that's a big enough crowd for me. You know, I see two, three hundred thousand people. I watch like the Wacken Festival out in Germany, or or even Woodstock '99. I go, oh, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'd be way in the back, just chilling. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of grown out of it myself, to be honest with you. I'm just, I like the smaller shows kind of these days. So, let me ask you this: What was your favorite act that you saw at Woodstock '99? Uh, let me think. It's, it's got to be corner. When, nah, you know what? I'm going to go to Seven Dust. Seven Dust? They put on a great show. <laughs> they do. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was right up front against the barricade for that. That was uh, Oh, wow. That was pretty great. Yeah. Now, did you get crushed a little getting up at the barricade? A little bit, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, John, the singer. He's, he stays at one time, landed right on top of me. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that's, that's one part I keep looking for to see, oh, can I find myself when that happens? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I but, uh, no. I was at the Metallica night before concert uh, when during the Super Bowl, and uh, I, I watch it every once in a while, and I always point out to friends and family, well, that's where I was standing right there. Uh, and I look yeah, for myself yeah. every single time, but I can't find myself. But I'm like, that's where I was right there. So I get it. Um, yeah, you get the area. There was a lot of great acts, by the way, on Woodstock 99, Aaron. You had Korn, um, I, and I know I'm not naming them all. Korn, Metallica. Kid Rock. Kid Rock. Limp Biscuit was yeah. there. Um, Moby, they interview Moby a lot in, in that documentary. Um, he was there yeah. live. I mean, offspring. I mean, it was a great lineup. Great lineup. Yeah. Watching the documentary, yeah. they tried to blame, uh, the lead singer of Limp Biscuit for the, the writing. And I'm like, really? He, he's the leader of the riot. I mean, <laughs> these people were, uh, some people give Fred Durst too much credit. <laughs> no, I was right? like, you know, I was like, really? I mean, yes, he says some things that I probably, as a promoter, hey, can you, can you calm him down a little bit? But you know, it, it, he didn't like the match. I mean, people were already seemed yeah. like pretty angry about the conditions. And again, the promoter, you know, he did it in was in July, right, or August. I think it was July. July. Uh, July. He did it right July. in the middle of summer. Uh, now, again, maybe it wasn't supposed to be 110 degrees, uh, but you take that risk in July. Is Rome, New York typically a hot place in summertime? Do you know? Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, any, anywhere up there, you know, it still gets pretty hot in the summers. Yeah. Well, it's like doing Aftershock. If they did it here like in August. Well, they used like to do it like mid-September and it was totally uncomfortable until the sun went down it was very uncomfortable and uh you get you know like they talk about in that documentary you get uh 50,000 people all jammed together and the body heat alone you know is difficult to bear not to mention all the guys that don't wear deodorant and this guy knows what i'm talking about (laughs) you're like Turn into your left going, dude, could you just like maybe some roll out here? I got one in my bag here. You just use this. All right. We'll get you some axe. Um, but, you know, the, like they used to do it in mid-September and it was very uncomfortable because it was so hot. And then they finally moved it to mid-October because uh, mid-October, we're t- typically not getting any rain yet or anything like that. But the temperatures are 10 to 20 degrees cooler than mid-September, correct? You yeah, you're right. I mean, I think it was 85 the first year we went. I mean, that that wasn't too warm to me, maybe to somebody else, but that was very comfortable all day. So now, uh, Rob, I'm going to tell you just so I can relate here. I've watched some clips of Woodstock 99 on YouTube, like, like Kid Rock. That's probably my favorite one that I like to watch is Kid Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when he's doing Ba with the Ba. Uh, 
it's so much fun to watch him. And like we were mentioning before you jumped on air with us, is the documentary almost has a, an agenda of, yeah. you know, this is the way it was in the 90s. And uh, the dude that says when Kid Rock, when they're showing Kid Rock come out in his full-length fur coat and all that, he goes, that was the epitome of the haves and have-nots. And I was like, really? Really? His yeah. stage dress. I mean, do we, does anybody think that rock stars dress like that when they're not on stage? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's all for show. Like, come on. It's an act. Right. I mean, Liberace mm-hmm. wasn't running around in, in big capes. and I mean, around Vegas, it's just, it was for the stage. Yeah, we're going to go see Kiss in a, next month in September. And, uh, you know, I expect full full makeup and everything and yeah. the whole show. And, now, I, and I don't expect if I saw Gene Simmons at the local uh, 7-Eleven, they'd be dressed like that. Yeah, I, I don't think he's dressing like that. Now, Rob, <laughs> no. you may dress like that on stage because you're in a punk uh, ska <laughs> band. So, you know, jeans and a T-shirt kind of is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, you got to relate to the audience. So... Yeah, I, I pretty much wear what's comfortable. I don't really care so much about what I look like on stage as much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. And But, I mean, Kiss has their thing. And, you know, yep. back in the 80s when uh, big hair was big, uh, yeah, there were some. Uh, we always kind of looked at them like, oh, that dude's a douche. There were some people that walked around in spandex and all that. But unless you were going to a show or in the show, you didn't normally dress like that. No, no. Like, you don't see Slipknot walking around in their masks and jumpsuits all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've got a theory about Slipknot, by the way, So you because you mentioned masks. Uh, I got a theory about Slipknot, which is uh, they were all just band geeks in high school, and the, uh, they wear the mask so that they can make themselves seem far more aggressive than <laughs> than being bad geeks but when they're backstage they just take it off and they like to play nintendo and read comic books <laughs> oh i'm sure they do <laughs> Corey's a huge geek when it comes to comics man you know i i i love uh i love cory taylor i love a hate cory taylor because he's, he's kind of a jerk but at the same time he's a great rock star and uh, i love him more in he knows how to command a stage for sure but I love him yeah. more. I love his music more in uh, Stone Sour than I do Slipknot. Yeah. I, I just think he's. I think he's great. Yeah, he's one of my favorite artists for sure. Yeah, have you checked out some of his new stuff? His solo stuff. Yeah, it's very different. I mean, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but you know, he's doing what you know. He, if you want to branch out and do different things, go for it. Knock yourself out. At least he's not doing it under the. The name of you know Stone Sour or Slipknot when it's so different. I mean. Exactly, I think that's the mistake that Nikki Six made with Motley Crue when when they kicked Vince out. Was he totally changed the sound of of Motley Crue and that uh, upset all the fans? And he yeah. even admits it to this day that uh, he should have just started a side project, called it something else. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Is there anybody that you can remember you, you saw for the first time at Woodstock 99 and you became a huge fan of that you listen to all the time now? I don't listen to them too much anymore, but I remember at the time, the one band that I found, uh, they they had like, I think, three or four different areas for stages. One was on one side, one was on the other side, and then they had one in an airplane hangar in the middle. 
<laughs> in this band called uh, Reveille played in there. And I thought they were just one of the greatest bands. <laughs> I haven't heard of them. Are they an East Coast band or? Uh, I think they, I think they're in Boston. I think I think I could be totally wrong on that, but uh, they had a really great new metal sound back then. And I was really surprised that you know they weren't bigger than they were at the time. So, getting back to the negative about Woodstock '99, I don't want to focus on the negative, but this is one of the things that I kept pointing out to my wife, especially last night as we were watching it, which is. He had Woodstock 69, which was all supposed to be peace and love. And the thing that uh, really annoyed me about this uh, documentary was they, the, the people that were commenting on Woodstock 99 weren't even born yet. And they were like, everybody thinks Woodstock 99 was peace and love and, and it was really this and that. And I was like, I'm not going to take it from you. You weren't there. You weren't even born. <laughs> I'll take it from the old hippie. <laughs> That barely remembers yep. that that's the guy that I want to talk to. Um, <laughs> and then comes Woodstock 94. And that was, yeah, you had the mud slinging with Green Day, which I think was a, I think that was a big catalyst to Green Day getting noticed. The mud slinging. Yeah, and that's what got me into music and wanting to play music was their performance actually at that show. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, because uh, Green Day. They, I don't know if you've seen it, Aaron, but they, where I would have been like, stop throwing mud, man. These guys just picked it up and threw it back at the crowd and they were into it and everybody was having fun. I mean, it was a great, it was a great scene. And I think it really helped them get noticed. Yeah. I, you know, big publicity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't even like a stunt. It just happened. Just uh, happened. Naturally. Yeah. And that's when the best stuff happens. So. Uh, Woodstock 94, you had, uh, we were coming out of the grunge era and you had bands like, um, um, they did dreams, uh, the cranberries, you had the cranberries yeah, there yeah. and they had a lot they of, they were at 99 too. Oh, were they at 99? I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, they were both. Yeah. I would, I would have loved to have seen the cranberries, uh, but they had a lot of the acts from 69 at 94, like Santana and, um, uh, obviously, Jimi Hendrix wasn't there. I don't. I don't remember who else. Oh, Crosby, Steele's Nash was there. But they so they kind of mixed it up for you know musical styles. There's a lot of classic and a lot of new. And yeah. And then you get to '99, and it's bands like Corn and Limp Bizkit and all these new metal bands and that sort of thing. And um, I told my wife, I said, you know, the thing that I noticed that's very different between '94 and '99 is the style of music. The the '99 yeah. music was much more aggressive, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think '94 was a lot more punk and grunge, like you said. Although they did have Nine Inch Nails at the '94 one, and uh, you know '99 did have some had a, had a good mix once in a while too. I mean, you had DMX in there, Cranberries, like we were just talking about. Um, James Brown actually played there too. He was there. Who uh, was there? James Brown. Uh, it keeps it keep, the phone keeps breaking up. James Brown. Oh, James Brown. Oh, yeah, James yeah, Brown James was Brown. there. Yeah. Yeah, he was there, <laughs> and that was cool. Uh, you had Creed. Uh, then you had like uh, who was it? Uh, Alanis Morissette. I think was there the one day I was walking up, and so there was a. You know, I think I think we focus a lot on the heavier band. It's just because you know it's what we like more. But there was a pretty decent representation, I think, of a bunch of different genres. Yeah. Uh, that's what the documentary did, though. They wanted to show you all these 
all these heavy metal bands, angry guys, and all that. Angry and, white, yeah. You and, know, and and the and the girl, yeah. the the blonde girl, you know, basically was like every time she made a comment, it was like all these guys were discussing. All they want to do is lay their hands on girls, yeah, and, and take advantage of the scene. And I'm like, you know, talking to you now about you went there had a good time. You know, and there was probably a ton of people since they had over 200,000 people there that went and just had a good time. I know if, you know, a few rotten apples spoils the whole bunch, but the label all, as you said, white guys is, you know, taking advantage. I'm not sure you were ever involved. You know, they showed knocking down the fence, you know, it it was probably a few hundred people. That's it. And there was over 200,000 there. Um, But the blonde lady with, you know, how disgusting all the, the those guys were! I, I'm like that. That was a little much for me in the documentary. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of craziness that went on at the end. I remember watching the Chili Peppers, and then I started seeing all these fires going off everywhere. So I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, I started walking back to my, uh, you know, Ken at that point, and I remember, you know, a couple of beer bottles whizzed past my head. They were just throwing them left and right, and then. Uh, like you said, the fence was coming down. And saw this weird group over to my left, kind of like, it looked like they were like bouncing up and down or something. I couldn't tell what they were doing. And then all of a sudden, I saw an ATM machine go flying up into the air. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. Oh, oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they showed people like trying to get into the ATM machine. Um, and I'm like, they gave the people candles. Yeah, candles. That and was such a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. and it, and it yeah. got out of control real quick. Yeah, well, they should have stopped that before you be like, you know, this 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 could go bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We didn't think that one through. Um, now, let me ask you though, as as the fires started to burn and things got a little out of control. Did you ever, I don't want to say fear for your life, but did you ever go into survival mode and just go, I've got to, I've got to do this in order to survive? I, I pretty much did. Like if you live in like some of the fancier suburbs, you see those guys that are walking around doing that real rush kind of walk. I was doing that back in my tent. Okay. <laughs> but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, uh, just the entire place was on fire and rioting. You went back to your tent and, and things were cool? For the most part. I mean, you could still hear stuff going on. And there were a lot of people doing a lot of gnarly stuff. But uh, you, you could get away from it if you wanted to. I mean, it was, it was definitely, you know, a bad scene. There's no question about that. And uh, But, yeah, nobody seemed to really bother with me too much. So I just kind of hung out in my tent and kept to myself at that point. Yeah, I think it's a level of involvement, Aaron. You know, if for the people that wanted to get involved, I wasn't there, but the people that wanted to get involved, um, they're the ones that were, you know, burning things or getting hurt or whatever. Would you, am I right? Yeah, pretty much it seemed that way. I mean, yeah, I'm a, no doubt, you know, there were people that didn't want to get involved, maybe got messed with here and there, I'm sure. I mean, with that kind of thing going on, other people are eventually going to get affected to some extent. But uh, I think mostly they, you know, people were just, 
I guess, you know, if, if you watch the documentary and, and the guy that ran the event, he blew it off. He's like, oh, things were, you know, they were expensive, but it wasn't unreasonably. And I'm like, dude, I, I went to get pizza and it was $6 a slice and yeah. then $4 for a cup of water. Like, And that's in 99. So yeah. I mean, that's a little pricey for 99 for a slice of pizza, for sure. Those are Ticketmaster prices. That's uh, Live Nation prices. Yeah, I mean, today that's expensive by today's standard, let alone back, you know, in 99. Well, you know, back in 99, when all this went down and I had heard about the prices of water and all that, I was like, you know, that's just not the right thing to do. As a promoter, I don't think that's the right thing to do. You've got two, 300,000 people, and I'm assuming that you couldn't leave. You couldn't leave and come back. You couldn't go get a flat of water and come back, I'm assuming. So, yeah. uh you're kind of holding them hostage, and what else are they going to do? Well, they're going to pay $4 yeah. for a, a cup of water. But like they said in the documentary, you could buy a beer for $4. So you get a yeah. bunch of kids that go, mm, water or beer? I'll take the beer. And yeah. then you, they, get, they get drunk. They get dehydrated. You get people going to the hospital. You get things like riots. It, it was just... It seemed like there was a lot of thought that went into it, but not the right thought. Yeah, definitely. So, they, were, they were definitely out to, to rake that money in any way they could. And uh, then when things went south, and, you know, not saying that was the sole reason, obviously not, but, I mean, definitely a contributing factor. And to go ahead and downplay it like he did is just wrong. Yeah. The, I think it was a combination it was just a lot of factors that went into it. You had the beer water thing. You had the heat. Um, you had uh, uh, the, well, like they said, you could, you could pay off security to get drugs in and that sort of thing. So, mm. you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there, but um, I think you, it was just a combination of things. The, the aggressive music, the uh, alpha male thing going on, because there's a lot of that at concerts, and it's just a, it was all the right elements for what happened. Yeah, you always got your boneheads in those kind of places, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that. I, I, uh, I've been to thousands of concerts, and there's, it doesn't matter if I'm at a Stevie Wonder concert or if I'm at, um, you know, a Guar concert or something like that. There's always <laughs> that one dude that it has to be the alpha and he's got to, uh, you know, come fight me, try me, <laughs> you know, there's always yeah, right? that one dude. I, I feel like I'm always a magnet to that guy too. Cause it always feels like I'm standing next to him. <laughs> <laughs> <No matter what. laughs> and you, and you know what? He's always like five foot five, but he's just ripped. He's got he's got a Napoleon yeah. complex, and he's got his shirt off so you can see how ripped he is. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Hey, dude, it's like forty degrees outside. I'm hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh. And he's got the little girlfriend on his on his arm. Yeah. And she's yelling, "Not today! No, <laughs> not, not today!" Todd Todd's had too many Red Bulls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not doing this today. You know, like uh, it's happened 20 times before, and she's still with the guy. Yeah. Uh, but we've been to Aftershock a couple times, and I have never seen um, anything go on. Like I, I have come close to a fight, and it was over uh, my niece 
who uh, she was she was over eighteen. I think she was like twenty twenty somewhere between twenty and twenty two somewhere in there. Um, and uh, she was we were up at the front for Rob Zombie, and I had to leave where we were and go out uh, to the back of the crowd and then come back. And so I uh, I turned to this guy and I said, "Hey, do me a favor," because he seemed like a solid guy. I, I said, "Just keep an eye on her for me. Don't let the guys." you know, molester. And, um, I came back and, and he, he was like, dude, you can't be here. And I was like, dude, I'm the one to talk to you. But during the show, uh, this dude did not this guy I'm telling you about another dude. He, uh, he did start trying to get close to my niece and I pushed him away two times. And the third time I said, you touch her again. And, uh, you see this doc Martin, I'm going to put it right on your head. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to knock you down and I'm going to stomp you. So I'm telling, I'm warning you, don't touch her. Don't touch her. Um, mm. You know, I was at a punk. <laughs> this is a good one. I was at a punk show. I was a punk festival and uh, Flog and Molly was on stage. And this, uh, yeah, it was a good show. This, uh, I'm there with my son and he's 20 something. And uh, this woman behind us, we were up at the rail. We had gotten there. We had probably spent five to seven hours up at the rail because we got there early. And this woman just wanted to be at the rail. Now, if you ask me nicely, especially if you're a woman or a kid, can I step in front of you? Absolutely. That's not what this woman wanted to do. She was elbowing us and kneeing us and, you know, all these things. And... uh at one point, you know, we keep pushing her back. And at one point, um, she need Shane in a place guys don't want to be need. And Hi. yeah, and Shane went a little crazy and he he reached back and I was like, nope, you can't hit, can't hit a girl. <laughs> you know, if that was a dude doing it, I, I'll let you do it. But you can't hit a girl. And um, so. That was like a stretch of the definition right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, uh, this went on for, for a bit and finally, uh, security yanked her out of the, out of the crowd and it, it became such a, I don't want to say a melee, but it became such a, uh, spectacle that the lead singer of Flog and Molly saw what was going on. Now he didn't stop the show or anything, but after they yanked the girl out, uh, the, I don't know the dude's name, the lead singer of Flog and Molly came over and tossed my son a Guinness. He's like, hey, good job. Nice. Yeah, because he showed some <laughs> restraint and he took care of the problem. Nice. So it does happen, huh. but it's not, you know, in a crowd of 50,000 people, I'm going to say 1% are the jerks. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually pretty small. I mean, not only that, like acting out like that, I mean, you got to know that you're going to get ejected from the show and like, do you really want that? Yeah. What's the point of that? It's, I mean, you paid the money, you spent the time, you know, all of that. Uh, what's the point of getting kicked out? And most of the time you go to yep. shows with other friends. And if your friends can't go, hey, knock it off. Yeah. You know, you, you all deserve to go. If the friends can't go, hey, that's, that's enough. You're crossing the line. That's, you know, let's enjoy. Let's have fun. Uh, you yeah. know, I've had to do that with some other buddies, not at a concert, but another place. I'm like, hey, guys, that, that's enough. Yeah. You know, and so show some restraint. 
And usually at that time, everybody goes, oh, I'll, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Rob's got a great Goldfinger story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've heard it, but I won't make you retell it, but it's a great story. But so one of the things that um, bothered me about the documentary is that they, like I mentioned, they had these uh, these re- journalists, that's what they were labeling them, journalists, that were like 30 years old uh, commenting on 69, Woodstock 69 and 94. And, uh, you know, and it's like, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't take you seriously. Maybe that's because I'm old, but I can't take you seriously. You weren't there. You weren't even alive. You don't know. Um, yeah. But one of the things they did in the in the documentary was, and and I just brushed on it lightly, is they were focusing on uh, it was the largest gathering of white guys, white guys, and, and it was over and over. And it was like, I turned to my wife yeah. and I said, it's a rock festival. Now, if it was a hip-hop festival, I would expect it to not be majority white. But it's a rock festival. And I don't know, every rock festival that I've ever been to has been like uh, the white-to-black ratio is probably 100 to 1. Yeah, I don't even feel like that's even necessarily accurate. I mean, like, I, there, were, there was a good mixture there. I mean, Was there? Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought so. Uh, you know, like you're saying, definitely a little less, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, when it came to that whole documentary, it just seems like people just want to continually push on all these, these, you know, designations of white, this or black, that or straight, this or gay, that like, dude, people are people just, you know, stop trying to pit everybody against each other by being so divisive. Just, you know, right. And people, and- at the same time, we're taking these events and, uh, uh, well, number one, we're uh, losing sight of what caused the problems at Woodstock 99 when we start uh, putting it in boxes like race. Um, we also, we lose the good memories about what happened because there was, there was good memories at Woodstock 99 for you. Am I right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, and really, that's what we go to shows for, is to be entertained and have memories. Uh, that's what I go for. And uh, I, don't, uh, I don't understand the people that, that drink a lot or do a lot of drugs or, you know, that sort of thing. And they, they're like, I don't even remember the show. And I'm like, well, why did you even go then? But yep. I, I don't fault people for uh, enjoying the show however they want to enjoy the show, as long as it doesn't infringe on me enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. So how, yeah, would exactly. you, I mean, how would you rate your experience at Woodstock 99? One to 10. How would you have rated? Uh, probably eight or a nine. So it's pretty good then. I thought so. Yeah. I didn't, I had a, I had a pretty great time. And it's, it's cool to look back and see, you know, all the different bands and artists that I got to see and such. And, you know, I, I had a great time. And regardless, it's historic. You know, you were there, and that's pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, I, I would bet that it probably, I mean, not being there, I would bet that it probably was not as bad as they made it out in the documentary. No, not even close. Yeah. 
See, that's uh-huh. and that's the problem with the media today. I, I'm not going to make this a, a, a political thing, but they they only show you what they want you to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, I never like always got to be something divisive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never liked Kurt Loder on MTV. Really? He, he, yeah, he always had an objective. It seems like. Well, and, he did. And, he and, always had an agenda, but I yeah, respect and, Kurt Loder as a journalist. Yeah, but I I thought from the start from the documentary and what they showed was he was all about you know these promoters all they want to do is make a lot of money and their greed and you know because of their greed this happened and. You know, I just thought the agenda from right away was, you know, but again, you know, he never missed a paycheck. Yeah. You know, he was always looking to get a little bit more because I'm so popular. And uh, he was blaming the promoters for trying to make a buck. Yeah. Well, my feeling yeah. is you put on a, uh, a festival with 100 or 200 to 300,000 people and uh, you've got to make a buck. There's a lot of money that goes into that, and I, I don't. Not cheap. What's that? It's not cheap. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, the insurance alone has got to be a killer. All the permits you got to get, and then you got to employ a bunch of people. And and they said they had ten thousand security, which I think is low. Ten thousand security for two to three hundred thousand people. That's a bit low, but uh, still, you got to employ ten thousand people for a weekend. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that goes into that. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, hey, Rob, uh, I want to wrap this up, but I want to uh, I want to do uh, something real quick, which is the last time we had you on, we had some technical difficulties. So I wanted to, to give a quick plug as to what you got going on right now. You got new music out and uh, uh, the new album, and I was just going to let you do your whole plug uh, because we had the technical difficulties last time. Uh, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, uh, we just released uh, about, um, let me see, is it a month ago? A month and a half ago, uh, dropped a new No Lost Cause album called uh, Take Two, and it's it's really basically just a reimagining of all the songs that, you know, of some of the songs anyway, that we've written over the years with, uh, you got better uh, recording equipment and such, and we're able to add horns to most of it. Uh, so... It's a, it's a redoing of a lot of the songs, some rewrites here and there, and a couple of new covers. Cool. You kind of kind of George Lucas some of your old songs, right? You lucas them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Went back and just, you added the windows in Cloud City, so. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> um, I, I like the new album because it's got some of the old stuff that I really like, but it sounds so much cleaner and and a little fuller uh on this album yeah yeah i wanted to just uh, make sure that we got a, a, a I, I guess you know initially when i had written the songs i had the idea in my head for the horn section so like if you listen to the original versions like a lot of the lead guitar parts i use those to do what i wanted the horns to do so now when you listen to it and you actually have the horns in place it's kind of a mix between what I originally had in mind to do and then with what the one player who I worked with, what he wanted to do as well. Nice. And uh, you have a couple, you have a new project that you're doing, uh, like a new side project or band or your. Yeah, it's called Ruled Out. And okay. uh, actually, in the middle of writing the first couple of songs right now, and I hope to have those done in the next month or two. Okay. And it's going to be a lot heavier. 
Okay, and any more from No Lost Cause coming up in the fall? Or um, probably not till I'm thinking maybe around late fall sometime, hopefully. Okay. Uh, but that's gonna be that's gonna probably be like a uh, just a couple of Christmas songs here or there, something like that. Let, oh, I, you know what? You know, I was oh, just thinking you guys man. should do a Christmas song, and oh. and let me just toss out an idea to you. Um, I, I certainly am not telling you how to lead your band but i'm just going to toss out an idea one of my favorite christmas songs of all time father christmas from the mm -hmm. kinks so if you want to cover a good punk style christmas song father christmas from the kinks great song i have to look that one up i, I don't think i don't think i know it but i i know i know quite a bit from the Kinks, so maybe i know it and don't know that i know it yeah fa it's called father christmas and it's awesome i love it all right cool yeah cool and so when uh, the new project comes out, please come back on. Uh, we're, you know, so sorry, but what happened, the technical difficulties, but come on when you have the new project and uh, that can't wait to hear it. A little heavier is all right with me. Yeah, I like that. All right. Yeah, Rob. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Hey, thank you for coming on and talking about Woodstock 99. I, I love hearing the stories. Uh, one, one thing I do have to toss out, two things you should watch on YouTube. One is the mm -hmm. kid, the Kid Rock uh, clip of Ba with the Ba from Woodstock '99. That one's great. And mm -hmm. um, now this one's not from Woodstock '99. I think it's from the Download Festival. But Limp Biscuit doing break stuff. If you haven't seen yeah. that, if you haven't seen that on YouTube, there is a scene in the middle of that song where the crowd is going into a uh, a circle pit and it's insane mm -hmm. and they show fred durst's face and he's looking at it like what is going on out there god i'm glad i'm on stage <laughs> <laughs> look what i've created <laughs> yep. yeah it always gets crazy when they play <laughs> yeah i uh we're gonna see limp biscuit on aftershock and i'm gonna be in the vip area so i don't have to be in the circle pits <laughs> oh that'll be great <laughs> yeah so, hey, Rob, thanks for coming on and uh, talking about Woodstock 99, and we appreciate that. Yeah, Rob from No yeah, Lost thank Cause. Thank you. Yes. And, uh, thank to, you guys. and to everybody listening, um, last break of the day, so happy trails. This is Chris with the band False Star. You're listening to the Rock Salt Music Cast Experience with Dave and Aaron. I hope you enjoy the show. Sweet baby little lambs of God. Rock Salt Musecast experience with Aaron and Dave. And on the Zoom call, we've got Peter 118. Peter Field. Peter Field. From Peter yeah. 118. Oh, okay. Yeah. There, there's the live studio audience, Peter. <laughs> oh, no. oh. I'm from England, from the UK. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, good. 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 So, uh, from the UK, where in the UK are you? So, I'm from Stoke-on-Trent, England, which is kind of smack bang in the middle of the UK. So we're in between Manchester and Birmingham, um, and it's where the Industrial Revolution kind of happened. Really? You know, in the 1800s. So. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'll, I'll break out my map of jolly old England and try to figure out where you are right now. But. You don't have that post in the bedroom? <laughs> it, it, yeah. Home no. to the potteries. What's that? Home to the potteries. We used to make pottery in the Industrial Revolution. So. That's oh really? What the area we known for. 
Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Well, um, I do know, because you're, Peter 118 is a punk band. Yeah. Uh, and and you have another project, which we're going to talk about in a minute, that is a little, I don't know, it's not, it's not punk, but it is, right? Would you describe? Yeah, well, the PJF project, Put Jesus First, came out of lockdown. So in the in, during lockdown and COVID, we couldn't do any gigs and we couldn't practice or rehearse. So um, it was just me working with a producer in a studio and it turned out to be kind of like a, a metal punk project. Gotcha. So that's kind of- yeah, it's there. It's two different kinds of punk. It's two, two, two punks to go that go together. <laughs> if you remember that old commercial. Um, well, let's start. Let's start with Peter One One Eight. I I want to I want to go on the Wayback Machine to the very beginning because you were in a band originally called the. Uh, it starts with an S. I've forgotten the name of the the band. I, I was in a secular punk band called Senseless. Senseless. Um, Senseless, yeah, and I did that for about, you know, um, in my early days um, for about five or six years, and then I became a Christian. So then um, Senseless ended, and then I formed Peter One One Eight. So which is kind of like um, it's Christian punk. So still being connected to the punk scene, but you know, doing it, um, you know, with a message and a purpose. Yeah, um, and that's where Peter One One Eight came from. I want to I want to dive right into how you became a Christian because uh, a lot of the times the punk scene does not align itself with the Christian scene and your music in Peter 118 is so overtly Christian there's no doubt what you're about that that seems like a huge swing how did that occur well um, towards the end of Senseless, um, I started, the, the band ended, you know, we cancelled a, a second European tour and, um, I didn't, I didn't know what to do next. So I joined a, a local church, um, and I, as I was driving in the car, I kept getting this message in my head, grace, and I didn't realize what grace was until, you know, I developed, you know, an understanding and developed that relationship with God. Um, you know, God's unconditional love. Um, um, also, um, from the damage from the punk scene, I developed tinnitus in my right ear, which is, you know, it was ringing all the time. But Jesus healed me. Wow. And because um, I was going to give up music completely, you know, because I didn't, it was affecting my sleep patterns. And Jesus healed me. Um, and then I, he sent me back into the punk scene, but under Peter 118. Wow. It's like he picked you up. Did some work, fixed you up, and then put you where he wanted you. Yeah, and sent me back. Yeah, that's cool. I like that story, Aaron. That's a good story. Yeah, um, your wife is in the band, Peter 108, correct? Well, she was, and we had a baby. Um, So, Janine, my wife, was the bass player, but um, 18 months ago, we had a baby, Daisy. So, Janine stepped down, um, and we got, you know, we got another member of the band, um, and we've got another baby due in um, November, so I think Janine will be busy with the, the new baby as well. So we'll have two children. So um, wow! Well, congratulations. Yeah, th- thank you. So I'm not sure she's going to rejoin Peter One One Eight, you know, at any time soon because, uh, you know, with childcare, um, if we're doing gigs, someone will need to look after the children. And 
Right. You know, Janine feels called called to that. Right. Um, Did you find Jesus together? No. um, It was was all on a a different path. So I became a Christian in 2005, 2006. I was living in Stoke-on-Trent. And then when I, I went, I moved to live in Warsaw, which is near in Birmingham. And that's when I met Janine. So I started to attend the Andrew Womack Bible College and attended a local church. And Janine used to go to that local church and then we met. Um, and then, you know, 12 months later, we got married. Wow, that's awesome. And I, I saw pictures on Instagram uh, um, of you and your child uh, on vacation and all that. And uh, nothing better than uh, spending time with your, your little one. And so, yeah, yeah we, we, we like taking her to the beach and the farm and she's learning words. And, <laughs> you know, she's enjoying it. Now I saw one of the pictures, you had a surfboard. Yeah, so we've been, um, yeah, I've, we've started to, well, I've started to surf in um, Northumberland, which is in the northeast of the UK. Um, 16 degrees C, um, the water temperature is, and I got a wetsuit, um, so it's um, not as warm as Californian. Um, <laughs> well, you know, you know, uh, uh, Peter, we all surf out. If you're a Californian, it's required. Gavin Newsom requires that by law that you have to surf. So oh, yeah. Aaron and I are going out after, uh, you know, after we're done here. Oh, wow. We're going to go grab our boards and go surf. <laughs> we're going to skateboard. We're going to skateboard. Yeah, we're going to skateboard down to the beach and go surf. <laughs> the beach, oh, the beach is about two hours away from yeah, us. We're, so. we're a little landlocked. Yeah. But. Uh, so everybody, not horribly. Everybody, everybody thinks, you know, everybody in California surfs and does all those things. But uh, Well, you know I, the picture I, I liked on Instagram? I'm cutting you off here, okay, Aaron. But uh, the picture I liked on Instagram was the picture, because it caught my eye, you had the Amoeba Music logo in there and pictures of Hollywood and uh, the I think it was the Capitol Record building that was in the, in the photo as well. So you, how do you like Hollywood? How do you like California? Yeah, well, we loved it. I went out there a couple of times. Um, so in 2017, um, we did a tour out there and stayed at um, Jet from CPR's house and we did a tour with CPR and Thumper Punk Records and we were playing in the Christian punk scene. But I also made some connections for with some DJs out there. So a DJ called Rodney, Rodney Bingenheimer who works on... Um, he, he, he had a show on KRO. K-R-O-Q. Yeah, the, wor- the world-famous K-Rock, which is a great K-Rock. alternative station. Yeah, I used to listen yeah. to that. Man, uh, I would visit Southern California. I'm in Northern California. I would visit Southern California because I had a lot of family down there, and that was actually one of the things I looked forward to was I would get to listen to K-Rock because it's such yeah, a cool but- station. Well, Rodney was playing our songs on K-Rock and um, he, we, he, he invited us out to meet him in Hollywood. So we went out to um, meet him and have dinner. And then after that summer tour, he then invited us back in December. So I flew back out and we did a gig um, for Rodney's Christmas. He put out a record in Ariba Music. So it was like a Christmas party. Oh, nice, nice. So it, it was a short break. Yeah, you, did a, you have a live recording. Um yeah, we, we when we were out there, we got um, we got some people from a local studio, um, and they recorded it, um, one of our live gigs, and we had it mastered out in America, and nice. then we put it out on CD. So, uh, well, number one, that's where the live in LA comes from, right? 
That's that show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I lo- I love that album. Yeah, it's it, a great album. And I, I tell you what, um, you you love uh, being on stage and having fun and uh yeah. and talking to people you know the uh very rarely in live albums do you hear the musician talk to the audience during the the cut mm-hmm. you know but on his live album it's can, all there he, yeah he could he's talking to the you know the whoever's there but you know here's what i have to say about okay. about bands that talk to the audience Either you do, and you're very interesting. Like we talk about, uh, we saw Lacey Sturm, and she, before she even played a song, she spoke for 18 minutes, and everybody was hanging on every word. And then I've seen other bands where I go, okay, could you please stop talking? Just play some music. So it all depends on how interesting you are. But I do love a an act that interacts with the audience because it, you're both. It's symbiotic. You know, you feed off of the. Yeah off of the energy in the room, right? And they're feeding yeah. off the energy you're putting out. Yeah. And, well, it, it's, you know, it's um, connecting with people. That's why, we're, that's why I do music through evangelism, to connect to people. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you say that, it makes me think of uh, Almost Famous. Have you seen the movie Almost Famous? A, a while back, yeah. Okay. That, that's what the lead singer says in that. He goes, I connect. Yeah. That's what I do. And, uh, but it, it is, that's, that's the job of the, the front man is to connect, you know, you know, on your yeah. live album, you, you open up and you said, well, I'm going to pray some British punk rock. And I have a yeah. question and I'm not, not trying to be snarky or anything like this. What's the difference between British punk rock and American punk rock? Oh, I know is the it, answer. Oh, okay. I know the answer, okay. but I'm going to let Peter answer. Okay. <laughs> well, the British punk rock is more like. More like the Sex Pistols and the Clash. It's got a raw feeling. Okay. And the American American punk rock is like Green Day. Green Day, yeah, Green Day. Osprey. It's more old school. British punk is more old school. Okay. Um, we yeah. got the Ramones. That they're an old school, but it's it's a bit different. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, like it's a little more dirty and raw okay. in the yeah, sound of yeah, it. Yeah, it's more heavy or um, it's. Very British. It's, it's yeah. Well, Green Day is like polished. Cool. Yeah, they're very polished. They're, they're but if you heard their first albums, they were very old school punk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like MXPX, to me, I thought they were very polished. They're polished. Where, where Peter Peter One One Eight is, like you said, very raw. Just well, when out I there. when I listened to the album, I mean, I already knew you were from the UK, but when I listened to the album, I went. Oh, I can hear the Sex Pistols in here, and I was going to ask you all your influences, but, I mean, it's clear what your influences are. I mean, uh, there's the yeah. Sex Pistols, and I, uh, there's some Ramones in there. You know, it's all old-school punk. Yeah, the Clash, I'm 69. But, you know, I grew up in the 90s, so I grew up listening to Green Day and Rancid and Offspring, and a lot of my bands I was listening to were from, like, California, mm-hmm. um, San Francisco, Huntington Beach. But... um I've got still got that British influence, so I kind of mix my, you know, I mix it with that with that style. Yeah, I, I mean, even uh, and I can't remember which song it was. It's the song that starts out kind of acoustic, and it's got. I'm assuming your wife doing vocals on it as well. What song? Uh, is that? Oh, um, oh. my radio. Yeah. Off. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you even your voice even sounds a little like um, the dude from the Bloodhound Gang. I was like, I've heard that no, voice before. <laughs> heard that voice. Oh, yeah, that's a Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> but yeah, so you, but 
it's cool that you take all these ingredients and make it your own because your yeah. sound is truly your own. Do you ever find that um, the very overt Christian lyrics to your songs don't mesh well with the punk scene when you go out to play a club? Um, it's not not live, but more on social media. Oh, really? So, I don't, yeah, I don't know if you know about the story of what happened with UK pop punk and, and Peter 118. No. So, uh, it's, very quickly, um, UK pop punk is a Facebook group of 16,000 people. And it's um, it's the main Facebook group um, for, for pop punk in the UK. And they picked up on Peter 118. And they changed their name to Peter One One Eight UK as a joke because we were a Christian band <laughs> to kind of like to kind of take the Mickey out of us. Right. But the joke reversed because it exposed us to sixteen thousand people in the UK. Yeah, because they're so going, "Who's we, Peter One One Eight? Exactly. So then we started overnight. I had an increase in my YouTube views of about six thousand. Nice. And then people. And then people were kind of coming up to us at gigs and at, at festivals and wanting pictures. And, and it, it made Peter 118 into a meme, but it exposed Peter 118 to the whole of the UK pop punk scene. And we had a booking agent and we got, we were playing, we played a big festival um, and we were playing some good venues. And, um, you know, we got criticism as well, but I also, so that happened in 2018. And then I got kicked off UK pop punk in 2019 because, it, yes, it's fun for a meme, but when people actually realised that's what I actually believe, mm -hmm. they weren't that interested really. So then, you know, I was um, deleted from their Facebook group. Oh, you spoke up. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, How so dare you speak it, up? It, it's all right as a joke, but, you know, we do Christianity for real. So, right. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I saw this on Facebook and I've, I've uh, corrected people a few times on this one. And I know it's just a joke when they post it, but, and maybe you don't know this, Aaron, but uh, the Green Day song, When September Ends, is about Billy Joe's dad dying and how he dealt with it. And when he was a kid, he, that was something he said. His dad died and he's like, just wake me up when September ends because this is horrible. But now it's become a meme. It's become a joke that, um, uh, you know, September 1st, everybody starts posting this meme. Everyone posts it when September ends. Yeah, wake me up when <laughs> September ends. And, and I, I'm, I don't judge people, you know, say what you want to say, do what you want to do, but at least know the history behind it. And that's what I would have. Like, you know, that's a song about his dad dying. You can post it. I don't care. If you find it funny or you got your reasons, whatever. But I think that if I wrote that song about my dad dying, I'd jump in and, and have something to say about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a fine line between fun and hurt, hurtful. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't hurt by it because, you know, you brush things off. But, um, you know what I mean, it's... it's you know, it's um, be in the world, but not of the world. And it was kind of my views on abortion because I'm, you know, I don't agree on abortion, but in a secular world in the UK, you know, people find that offensive. So that's, that's what happened. Yeah. Well, we got our own thing going on over here. I don't know if you've heard, but, uh, you know, Texas passed, passed a law that uh, you can't uh, abort a baby that with a, with a heartbeat. As soon as there's a heartbeat, you can't abort. 
and uh, uh, people are calling uh, calling the law or and the supporters of it the Texas Taliban. And I'm like, yeah. Well, can you explain to me why something with a heartbeat should be killed? I know. Yeah, it's. Been, I think there's a lot of liberalism going on. Um, so, you know, so my my particular comment was I said, you know, stop killing babies. And whether I was right or wrong, it's still my view at the end of the day. But as a result of it, I got kicked out of UK pop punk. Well, and that's, <laughs> that that's a problem with cancel culture is, you know, uh, nobody can have a viewpoint that's different from anybody else's, you know. And yeah. if you if you do, well, you're canceled, you're out. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and that's what happened. you know, that's that's just wrong. It really is. Uh, yeah, I I listen to people who uh, have a viewpoint supporting abortion, and they've sometimes they've got a good viewpoint on it. You know, they've got their yeah. reasons or whatever. Um, we stop learning from each other when we just cancel things we don't like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you so I went back to the um, there's a big festival called Slam Dunk. And I had threats saying, if you're going to go there, we're going to get you and this and that, trying to intimidate me. But, but I turned up anyway at the festival and people were fine with me. They yeah. even said, look, we don't we don't agree with your views on abortion, but I think it was wrong how you were treated in the UK pop punk scene. So, you know, Peter 118 just continues regardless anyway, regardless what the... Did you, what, find, what that it, did you find that it was a setback for you at all? Um, we lost... Um, the gigs stopped coming in um, and we, you know, the booking agents ended and we didn't get as big a shows, but we just continued anyway. And, and then in 2019, COVID happened. So it was kind of, it was, it was slowing down and then COVID came. So, yeah, well, you know, um, I would think that you're, you're, if you're a man of, of honor and conviction and you got God on your side, you really got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Well, that's it. God can open doors because, you know, we were still getting, you know, we were still getting our play and we were still, you know, we were still doing the extreme tour gigs. So, you know, where, where one door closes, another one opens. Exactly. Exactly. That's, uh, that's what I've said about our show, you know, is, is, you know, if somebody, I told Aaron, if somebody ever came along and said, uh, you know, we don't think what you're doing is very Christian. And that's not very Christian. Like, well, you know, you cannot listen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not changing who I am. Just like you didn't change who you are. Be a man of, of your word. Be a man of conviction. Stand by what you say and do. Admit when you're wrong. And, uh, you know, you become a wall. And that's the only yeah. way to beat cancel culture is to not um, fall prey to it. Yeah. That's the only way to beat it. Um, yeah. All right. You want to get into a song here, Aaron? Yeah, I do. But I, I, uh, we're going to play uh, your latest single. Um, and I'm not going to butcher the name. Excruciental? Yeah, Excruciental. Um, that's, that is about... Um, Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life. And it's talking about, you know... Um, excruciating you can have excruciating pain in your life but you know god is there for us and jesus is there for us so uh excruciental or however excruciental <laughs> there we go thanks yeah, dave, it's, dave it's actually not it's actually not a word 
So <laughs> excruci- I made it up. <laughs> That's all right. Musecast <laughs> isn't a word either. We made it up. <laughs> so. All right. So it's the Rock Salt Musecast Experience and with Peter 118. 118. Hi, it's Peter from Peter 118 from the UK. Um, check out Rock Salt Radio Podcast. Rock Salt Musecast experience with Aaron and Dave on the Zoom call today is the guys from Reborn. It's Ryan and Marco from Reborn. Oh, guys. I get the applause. Yeah. It's amazing <laughs> how many people we get in our studio here. That's as many people as that was at their show the other night. <laughs> right? Oh, we had a jam-packed, sold-out show in San Antonio at the Rock Box. Oh. <laughs> uh, how's it going, guys? Going, Saturday. going, going good. All right, yeah. Uh, hey, Marco's got a Marco's got a day job like the rest of us, so we have to make this quick because he's on break, and we don't want to <laughs> don't want to get him in trouble at work. Yeah, um, you guys got a new song out, and sure. and you teased it a little when you guys sent the uh, mug, the tumbler to uh, Aaron for his birthday. Yeah, tell me what the name of the song is. Uh, the song is called Reflection. And uh, what? Tell me all about it, man. What's it about? And where'd you come up with it? Um, I think reflection comes from a place of like not wanting to. You know, you see, you look at yourself in the mirror, and you feel like you're a certain way. You're living your life a certain way, but in reality, you're somebody completely different. So it comes from a, a point where, like, it's like there's two different sides of you. You know. Um, one day you're, you're doing good. Another day you're messing up and falling back. And so it's, it's kind of at a place to <clears throat> where, you know, it gets to that point where you're just like, you know what, I want to live life right. And this is it. I'm giving it all to God. Makes sense. Yeah. And you know, the reflection, I don't know if this is what you guys, uh, put into the song, but reflection our reflection that we see in the mirror might not be the same reflection that or it may not be the way that god sees us right yeah it's uh, pretty similar (laughs) okay i've listened to the song don't get me wrong i've listened to it a few times but and it's um it's a little it's a little uh, lighter than the last song Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. this this is their power ballad yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, no offense by that, it, but it is a little lighter. It's not as hard as the last two songs yeah. um, that came out, and they yeah. just put it up on Spotify. And you're out there playing gigs and doing your thing. How many songs do you have in your repertoire right now that aren't out there? I mean, you don't you don't go out and just do a three song show. I know that. No, definitely not. <laughs> we have we have a few originals, uh, stuff that we haven't released yet. We haven't. We're like we're still in the recording process. The the uh, what, is, what is it called? We're we we have the demos almost done. Uh, we're just we're working on it. We're working on new material. It all takes time. That's yeah, who, for sure. Who do you send the demos to? I mean, when, when demos done, who do you send them to to kind of see? Hey, does this work? And get some advice. We well, got friends. It's the producer we're working with. I mean, we're okay. we're kind of tracking as we go. Okay. Uh, yeah. What well, we record the song. Uh, 
we had get the parts done and well that that's our that's our demo sort of okay and he's he kind of and he's listening the producer he's, he's listening as we're as we're going and well yeah i mean we kind of just we did it pretty much all ourselves we just yeah. we just did it you know that's uh, what i was saying to aaron yesterday was that you know, back in the day, you put together a demo tape, which was a real raw cut of your songs, and you put it out to the producers and the record companies, and, and they would polish it up. And right. nowadays, because everybody's, you know, the studios, uh, you know, I'm looking at my board, which back in the day would have been five feet long. Now it's a foot and a half long. Uh, you can do this in your home. And... You guys, even the demos are coming out really polished and sounding really good. Yeah. So it gives you a nice uh, platform to jump off from, I think, if, if uh, you know, not that your stuff isn't good, but, you know, if a, a good producer comes in and goes, well, that's good, but try this, and it takes you to the next level. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah we haven't had that. Nope, not yet. <laughs> no, not yet. It's coming, guys. It's coming. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Uh, you just got to be patient, Aaron. Yeah. Well, I'm saying they're, they're, their three songs on Spotify are, are really good. They're quality. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I turn it on. Uh, you know, I've got my liked songs on, on Spotify. I just turn that playlist on anytime I want to just shuffle stuff. And uh, Reborn's right there. The The... I'm I'm trying to think of the name of the last. What was the name of the last song that they that you guys put out? Uh, Deeper again. Deeper again. I love that song. That's probably yeah. my favorite song. Nice. Not not to downplay reflection or anything, but that's yeah, my yeah. favorite song. <laughs> um, I love the vocals on it. But uh, yeah, it's right there on my like like songs playlist, along with Saving Jackie and Ocean Dark, and then I've got some Striper and a little bit of everything in there. But you guys are right there, and it sounds quality. Yeah, I think I think a lot of times too. What what we'll do, um, he'll the the producer, the guy that we have working. Shout out to Tabron. Um, you know, he he'll send us a mix and say, "Hey, how does this sound?" And we'll go listen to it. And hey, this needs to get tweaked, or you know. So we're kind of doing that part ourselves in a way. Um, you know, he's sending us what he has. He he does the full mixing and stuff like that. Um, and then, like I said, we'll go to a point where it's like, okay, this needs to be raised or this needs to be lowered. Um, but man, it's, it's, it's really good. Cause I think we're helping each other out in that way too. Um, cause there's times where he's thrown some effects in there. He's like, Hey guys, what do y'all think of this? You know? So we're kind of going back and forth. It definitely helps out a lot. Well, a good producer challenges you to be better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, a bad producer says, oh, that's good. And, you know, here you go. Here you are. Yeah. Throw my yeah. name on it. That yeah. should sell some records for you. Um, yeah. But, you know, and I, I'll use like Rick Rubin because he's a great producer. Uh, challenges the band to be better than they were on yeah. the last album or the last song or, or whatever. Or Mutt Lang even, you know, when they talk, I heard uh, Def Leppard talking about Mutt Lang when they made Hysteria. Uh, Hysteria was an incredibly long album and Def Leppard just wanted to do like, I don't know, you know, eight songs or something like that. But Mutt was like, no, do this one. No, wait, throw this one in there too. You know, and these were some of the biggest songs like Pour Some Sugar On Me which was yeah. a huge, huge hit for Def Leppard. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, 
it's the fifth member of a four-member band, Aaron. You know, it's it's the silent member that it really pushes you. Yeah. 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 Am I yeah, wrong? Am I wrong? I'm not taking anything away from you guys, am I? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. All right. Okay. <laughs> You're a little quiet over there, so I got a little nervous. <laughs> well, just back, because you know, I know uh, when DC Talk was popular and big, they had a producer. The yeah. same guy all the time. And, and he put, they would tell you, they, he pushed us to do better. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's what we want to do. Every song that we, you know, every song we put out, it's like, all right, let's make the next one better. Let's make the next one better. Right. And then hopefully whatever comes next is like, all right, these are going to be better. So do you find that it's uh, difficult in any way working remotely with a producer because back in the day, the producer was in the studio with you and doing things with you mm-hmm. where now you were you were just explaining, you know, he puts something on it and sends it back to you and says, what do you think? Do you find that uh, uh, frustrating or difficult at all? Or do you think it's better? Um, man, that's a, that's a tough question. That's a tough one because I, I, I really don't have experience recording at all. Yeah. Just, okay. uh, just with how we're doing it here. But... I mean, it's working out great. Um, he's he's sending us whatever samples he has uh, so far, and he's and he's asking us, okay, this is this is my this is the cut, this is this version. What do you think? What what you know? What do you think? What can be tweaked? What can we make better? Um, yeah, we just send our ideas. Uh, you know, mess with this, like Ryan was like Ryan was saying earlier. Uh, let's lower this. Let's raise this. Let's do this. Let's do that. And it's it's worked out so far. Cool. But, yeah. Well, it has worked out because the three songs are very good. Yeah. And there, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, in my, in my in my opinion, you guys are, you know, ready. Uh, you know, you got three great tracks. And uh, if Aaron had a record label, he'd sign you today. Yeah, that would be oh, it. That's, you know, that's the best way to put it. it, it it's sort of like, you know, we're uh, three songs that Saving Jackie had. And then, you know, we're very quality songs. And then next thing you know, they get. They get signed and do three more. For Is that the EP. way it worked out for the Saving Jackie? Yes, that had worked out. Oh, so. okay. All right. And, and so, again, it, it just, however it works for you. And so, uh, yeah. but those are three really good songs. Now, we were talking with uh, Jaron uh, previously, and you jumped in on that, Ryan. And the um, we were talking about all these bands are coming out of San Antonio. And do you find that it is a good support group? With all these bands together, I mean, it seems like you all get along. Is there any kind of, eh, I don't really like doing a show with that guy, but I'll, I'll keep it to myself. And I'm not asking for names. I'm just saying, is, is there any of that? Or is it you guys just all love getting together and, oh, man, oh, yeah, we got something booked with Saving Jackie and Stop the Sun, so that's going to be a great show. Or, or What's it like? Yeah, you know what? I think the support here is awesome, you know, because – the show that we actually did at the Rockbox, um, I don't know if Jaron had mentioned it, but Caleb was there from Stonewall Static. Oh, nice. And so it's just like to see that support even from other bands who aren't even on that gig is like, hey, man, he was there. He was showing support for us, you know, when he really didn't have to be. You right. Know, so it was, really, it was really awesome to see that support. I think a lot of the bands here do support each other. Um, I feel like when it comes to gigs even – it's like, hey, we need an extra band or something. You know, they'll throw them on there or they'll throw us on or, you know, vice versa. It's like, um, 
my church is having this outreach in uh, next month, actually. And so I'm, I'm starting to, I know these people. So it's like, okay, let's bring in so-and-so let's bring in this band, you know? So it definitely helps out to, to know people as well. You're doing a show with Stonewall Static. And yes, sir. Next, in yeah. In Houston. Yeah. yeah. September 30th. Yeah. Caleb yeah, was saying he had a, they had a pretty good following in Houston. So expect a good turnout. Nice. Yeah. You know? Right. And so, uh, nice. That's, that's great. You guys are, uh, you know, playing before him or however it works out, but that's 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 great. You guys are uh, getting a date now um, with them. Something totally unrelated uh, has just popped into my head, Ryan, and I, I'm not making fun. Uh, you know, you got a love for for the faith and all that, and every time you're on, I see all these crosses in the background, and uh, it just occurred to me that uh, while I know why they're in the background, you might also consider a career in vampire hunting because I think you got all the gear that you need to make it happen. Oh, man. Oh. If that's the way I need to go, wherever the Lord takes me. Hey, no vampires coming over to Ryan's oh, house. It ain't I'm, happening. Look, man. if we ever have an apocalypse, y'all are more than welcome to come over. <laughs> hey, if there's an apocalypse, I'm heading to Texas because that's that's the safe place to be. <laughs> we got all the guns, too, man. Yeah. yeah. See, <laughs> I, I, I desperately want to get out to Texas or yeah. Tennessee or something like that. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other show, but anyhow. Yeah. Um, move here if you want. You know? Yeah. Well, I need a job, Ryan. So <laughs> that's that's the one that's holding me back. I need yeah. a job. <laughs> so, like the last time you were on, it came up uh, when the next song was coming out, and uh, you guys uh, gave us a hint. So, when is you got this one out? When's the next one? Hang on, I can answer that for you, Aaron. Okay. When it's ready. When it's ready. Okay. <laughs> oh. It, it, I'm hoping, honestly, I'm really hoping by the end of the year sometime or okay. maybe in the beginning of next year. Okay. Just in time for Christmas. Yeah. You can uh, unwrap it on Christmas morning. <laughs> you know, you can do a Christmas. Hey, hey, uh, you can do a Christmas song. Because there, there's, there, there's not enough renditions of Grandma Got Ran Over by oh, a that is, <laughs> there is That is not enough. That is Aaron's one of one of Aaron's favorite Christmas oh, songs, yes. and I yeah. dread it. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it in mind. I might just make a reborn version. I'm sorry, Aaron. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, don't, you don't have to I tell see. me. So by I, the, I don't need to know. I won't listen to it. I'm just telling you right now. So you do Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer? I'm not listening to it. Okay, but uh, hey, more, I do one have more a story. One more story before I go. Okay. Uh, one, um, my break time's almost over. Number okay. two, my phone's about to die. Okay. okay. Uh, you, you, you asked about how we came up with the, with the idea of the song Reflection. Um, it's a short story. Uh, if you happen to watch the uh, backstory of Ready to Fly, it's literally the same thing. Uh, it was a riff that I had in my demos, my archive, and I allowed a I allowed access for Ryan to just go and listen to my tracks and hey, uh, if you come up with anything, just let me know or have at it. And sure enough, he came to me one day. He said, "Hey, I like that tune you called Reflection. I like that one." So he he said, "Yeah, I got I got I think I got some lyrics I can work out for it." So sure enough, that's how it came to be. Nice. Uh, so it's kind yeah. of an extension of uh, Ready to Fly. As far as the backstory, it was, it was part of that. It was part of the, the list of videos that I had. 
Okay. Okay. Great. Cool. Yeah. Great. Right on. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, I gotta go. I love you guys. Thanks. For oh, hey, oh, thanks for sharing thank our you. music. Yeah. Oh, yes. Bye. Thank you for coming on, Marco. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Don't let the man get you down. Yeah. <laughs> Have a, have a good rest of your day. Thank you for uh, right, taking time with us. Take it All easy, right. Marco. Love you guys. Yep. Uh, so, Ryan, um, you know, here's my idea for a uh, Christmas song. Is uh, uh, Seeing as, as Reborn, I'm trying to make this very delicate so I don't come off like a jerk. Uh, as Seeing as Reborn is, uh, you're mostly all Hispanic heritage, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> that's it yeah do? do a hardcore rock version of Felice Navidad you got it you're gonna make it happen lightning yeah. in a bottle brother we'll do, we'll do a whole crossover tour in Mexico there you go see <laughs> you could do a San Antonio sampler just everybody makes everybody from the San Antonio area makes uh, you their know own what? Christmas song and puts it on that puts would be a, that's a pretty good idea yeah you're coming on to something there jot that well, down I, Ryan I, I, I know I you know my conversation uh uh I know uh Caleb may be thinking about doing a Christmas song so you know there's a lot of bands now yeah so. put a put a sampler CD like oh, uh you know man. back in the 80s when they had that uh I forget what it was called but uh you know the Christmas thing, the whole uh, Band Aid Christmas thing, and they yeah. put out that album, yeah. and uh, uh, it was all different bands covering old Christmas. I'm telling you, yeah, jot that down. Man, I think I, that might, we might work something out there. That's a good idea. Christmas music is the most popular music on the radio. That's why yeah. you know. That's why I'm sure you have a station there that plays Christmas music from Thanksgiving on. We I got one. We got one here. <laughs> we got one here. They're everywhere. But the reason they do it because people listen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey, uh, I throw on the Christmas music when we uh, open gifts. That's yeah. that's our Christmas music time. That's where yeah, I am too. Got to set the mood, man. Yeah, it's a thing for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine that reborn Stonewall Saving Jackie, and you're listening to their Christmas music. <laughs> I think that's fantastic, man. Oh, I man. would, I'd, I'd pay ten bucks for that album. Maybe stop, stop the sun, uh, um, and. Uh, Become, uh, you can't forget Faithhead. Faith, yeah, I know they're, they're well, not. They're in, I know they're, they're not, not in San Antonio, but oh, yeah. you got to get the boys from Faithhead in on it too. Yeah. And, and so, but all right. When's your next show? Um, our next show um, that's going to be kind of bigger would be that one with Stonewall Static. Um, okay. We do have one next weekend um, at Kingsboro Kingsboro Baptist Church, I believe it is, um, here in San Antonio. Uh, it's more of a youth event, so it's for the kiddos. That's um, great, though. Definitely, we're definitely going to go over there and you know have some fun. Do you guys find that you get a uh, a pretty good turnout or a better turnout in the churches than you do in the bars, or do you find it's the other way around? I think we get more of a, a view when it comes to the churches or like outreaches and stuff like that for church. Um, I think we definitely get a better view, um, like. Um, Jaron was saying for that show at the rock box, it was like, everybody was there for that guy's birthday. And as soon as their band got off, we were next up. And then all of his little crowd was just whoop, out the door. And it was yeah. like, okay. well, that does, you know, that does happen. You yeah. know, I've been to shows where, you know, somebody's there, uh, later on in the show. And so you don't see the crowd come in till then, or right. somebody's on early and the crowd's there and then they, they take off. Um, it it happens. Everybody has their followers. I get it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think something we we were talking about too. Um, you know, for when it comes to booking, is try to get in the middle. So yeah, that way, whoever's at the end, they're still going to stay there. <laughs> right, right. What, what band was it that we were talking to that that they said that happened uh, to them, where they just ended up going on last by default, and uh, they were like everybody was gone by the end. <laughs> I forget who that was. Yeah, but uh, was that Peter? Peter one one eight. It could be. Yeah, it could have been. Anyhow, it was a funny story. We, we've talked to a lot of bands now, which, yeah. which is great, though. Yeah. yeah. You know. Well, um, so new songs out. It's called Ryan. Reflection. Reflection. And yeah. it's on Spotify. And it's. Uh, do you guys do the SoundCloud, too? Um, I actually thought about doing that recently because I've been seeing a lot of people on SoundCloud. But I'm like, should I do it? Should I not? I'm in between on that one. Yeah, I don't know what's involved with the SoundCloud, but I know a lot of people are doing it. Um, so, but Spotify is the easiest way to find it, correct? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Spotify, even YouTube. YouTube, Apple. Yeah, you on Apple? Spotify, yep. YouTube, yep. Apple Music, Pandora. Um, I think even Deezer. Uh, we just got a Bandcamp account, so we're on there as well. If you want to support, help support financially. Um, that definitely helps, and then of course iTunes also. Yeah, throw some love to the band if if you if you're into them. Uh, this is how they are able to keep it going. They sell T-shirts and stickers, and you know purchase their music and that sort of thing because uh, um, you're not getting rich off this, right, Ryan? No, as far as I know, because <laughs> no, we're not getting rich off ours. So yeah, no, not, yeah. not anytime soon, I don't think. But, but uh, hey, if if God makes that way, we're gonna do it. Well, absolutely, um, you know. But uh, the thing is, is is every little bit helps. I mean, if we yeah, had definitely. merch to sell, and uh, you know, somebody bought a T-shirt for ten bucks, uh, it's, it, ten bucks would go straight back into the show because that's what right. you do with the money. Is it goes? It, you don't go out to McDonald's and buy dinner. Uh, no, no. <laughs> you're throwing it back into the show. So. Yeah, and, and that definitely helps out a lot. Like if if anybody is um, wanting to, we do have our merch on our website. Uh, officialreborn.com there's merch there's the links to buy our, our albums and stuff like that so yeah and I, I'm not gonna lie I was a little jealous uh, of Ryan I mean uh, Aaron's Tumblr because when he when it came in I was like that is so cool and you notice he doesn't have it today you should have brought it today man I, I um, oh thank you yeah, for calling yeah, me yeah, out yeah yeah it's it's actually really cool I, I saw it I was like now he kind of want one for me. <laughs> yeah, even my wife, when, when she saw it, she was like, hey, I want one. I was like, okay, we'll, we'll get you one. Yeah, they're cool. <laughs> definitely uh, definitely worth the money. Yes, definitely. So so Instagram, Facebook, uh, on Spotify and everything. So please check out Reborn. Yep. Our there. friend Ryan Garza, all the way from San Antonio, Texas. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, check out Reflection. Yep, so if you're listening to MuseCast or podcast version, you're going to hear the song Reflection right now on Rock Salt MuseCast Experience. Hey, this is Steve from The Word 66, and you are listening to the dynamic duo of podcasters, Aaron and Dave on Rock Salt Radio. Rock Salt MuseCast Experience with Aaron and Dave. I am... Uh, Dragging just a bit, Aaron. Just a bit. It was a late night last night. Oh, I was. They played for two hours. I mean, you uh, know, I, you know I've the, seen some younger bands. 
and they're like hour and a half. Good night. Yeah. These uh, guys are 70 something years old and <laughs> they're kicking it. Yeah. They showed their age a little. Yes. You know, I've seen them in the past where I'm like, oh, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, they still got, I mean, it's got to be just hard moving around with those yep. high boots. Uh, you know, a funny story. The original guitar player for Kiss, his name is Ace Freely, and he was known to be um, a bit of an alcoholic. Uh, he's since overcome all that, but... Um, they had him in those platform boots and he was known to fall over on stage quite a bit because of the platforms and probably being inebriated as well. And uh, he had a, a solo song called Trouble Walkin'. And I used to, one of those songs that you always sing along to and you think you know the words and then you really find out you don't. And uh, I used to think the words to that song was I have trouble walking <laughs> uh, because he would fall over all the time. Uh, and no, the words to the song is I am trouble walking. But I would say last night was a flawless performance. I mean, everything they wanted to do went without a hitch. A lot I mean, of pyrotechnics oh and uh, laser lights, the whole thing. And you know, you had told me, like, you're not going to see pyrotechnics at a show um, for 20 bucks. Like yep. you'll see at Kiss, yeah. And I was like, you know, I be, because of um, our dry weather conditions here in in Northern California, I didn't know if they were going to be able to do that. Um, it was great. It, 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 like this at the end, though, when you when you saw so much confetti, you couldn't even see Gene Simmons on right. the on the big screen. Uh, and you'll see. I, I I shot some video. I'm going to post it on our YouTube channel. You'll see it there. Couldn't even see him, and I'm like, they aren't going to do pirate tactics right now, are they? Because it's going to turn into a whole oh, new they, show. They did it. No, I no the pirate the confetti was gone, and then oh, they lit off. Some but there was still was, confetti in the oh, air. Oh yes, because but not the, as like well they the had mass. they had uh, confetti cannons up at the stage, and they had confetti cannons out in the crowd, and so the whole area, the whole place, except for the lawn where we were. Uh, was just covered in confetti. Even because of the, the little bit of wind was blowing it out, I think they're confetti that almost went to the lawn on yeah. the other side. Right. But I was like, uh, man, I hate to be the person that's got to pick up that after Oh, man, I thought that as we were walking out and I looked across the lawn and I saw the garbage and chairs. and Because they tell you to leave that stuff there. Yeah. And so we left it all there. And I just was like, oh, I feel so bad for the people that got to walk through here afterwards and try to clean this up. What a nightmare. Hope they get paid by the hour. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the show was now one thing I saw online was like the show runs two hours, 15 minutes, two hours, 20 minutes, something like that. It's a two and a half hour show. So it's you get your money for 20 bucks. That's for sure. Um one thing I do like about Kiss, and I like it about any band, is that I don't think that every band that hits the stage is 100% all of the time. They're not perfect. They're going to hit wrong chords on the guitar, or their voice is going to crack, and, and that happened. Uh, Paul Stanley, the lead singer, his voice cracked a few times. Um, which I gave him a pass for because I think the guy's like 72 years old or something like that, and that's okay. And he yells and screams through the whole show. Uh, there was a couple of times that uh, 
I think Tommy Thayer hit, uh, he's the guitar player, he hit a wrong note. Um, but I, I th- like it because it tells you that they are playing live. You're not listening to a track and these guys are lip syncing or anything like that. No, they're actually playing live and they're putting on this huge spectacle of a show. And I'm padding a little bit while Aaron looks up. 69. Okay, 69. I was close. 69, 70. It's still up there. I was close. Hey, I'm, I, I I'm 50 and couldn't do what they did. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been falling on the ground with those shoes on. Oh, without I'd having, be like, no. Uh, hey, you know what? Just give me some tennis <laughs> shoes, man. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. You know, uh, and they call this the In the Road Tour. And again, I think they this is their fifth In the Road Tour. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I saw a lot what, of what I saw last night, because sometimes you see like older sports guys, boxers or whatever. And, and after watching the fight, you're like, hang it up, please hang it up. Or you watch them play basketball, whatever. Please stop. What I saw last night, they can probably go for another five years there. You know, they mentioned they're in the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they deserve to be. Yeah, but. I didn't come for a performance last night. I came for a show. Well, you got uh, the show. And I got the show. You got the oh, show, man, for sure. so good. Um, they, if you're a KISS fan at all, I mean, they played a lot of the old stuff. They came right out of the shoot with Detroit Rock City and um, Deuce. And uh, let me see, what else did they play? Yeah. Heaven's on Fire. So they played some stuff from the 80s. They played some stuff from the 90s. They played Psycho Circus. Uh, of course, wrapped it up with Rock and Roll All Night Party Every Day. And I realized this morning I can no longer rock and roll all night. Um, I can rock and roll, as they say in, um, in uh, uh, that movie, we were talking about it. Uh, my wife and I were talking about it. Uh, role Models. Uh, rock and roll part of the night. <laughs> and But anyhow. Um, I tell you what, my wife, uh, my son are not, you know, my son goes, I, I, I hadn't really listened to any of music. But he was like entertained. You know, he knew a few songs. But you could clearly, the, the sound was great. It was right on par. You could hear whatever they were saying. Just a great show. Well, they are showmen, and uh, they they have a high expectation. Um, you know, it's a brand, and that's why I I say this all the time. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think I say it all the time. Which is, hey, if if Gene and Paul want Kiss to continue on, that's easy to do. It's easy to do. You put four really good musician showmen in makeup, and you put them on tour, playing those songs. But it's not Gene. Simmons. It's not Gene, and it's not I, Paul. I. Yeah, more more Gene for me than Paul, but to me this is Gene's band. This is, you know, Paul's been a part of the ride. Well, they're partners. It's the, both of them. It, it is both of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's both of them. So if one decides I'm I've had it, they're the, gonna, they're going to stop. You. Yeah, the other one's done. Yeah. Okay. And and I truly believe that this probably is the end of the road for them. I think they've, you know. Uh, realize that they're at a point where they can't continue doing the same thing they've been doing for all these years. Uh, but they do put on a great show, uh, lots of pyrotechnics, uh, stuff that you probably never thought you'd see in a concert you probably saw last night, I bet. And back to an old-fashioned rock and roll show. Guitar solos, bass solo, mm-hmm. drum solo. Yep. How, we go to shows all the time. And there is none of that. It's like song after song. Hey, how you doing tonight? 
all right, we're going to play some songs. Yeah. And it was it was great. I think it's great when you do the drum solo because the other guys take a break, you know, get a little break, mm-hmm. and, and the drummer gets a break with the guitar solos. And, well, man. Eric Singer is the drummer. Okay. And uh, he is, I'm guessing, about 20 years younger than the other guys. I'm guessing at that. Uh, he's been a drummer for a long time. He's played with Alice Cooper and a lot of other bands as well. Um, and he's been with Kiss for a long time. And he did, I thought it was pretty funny. I thought his drum solo was kind of funny because he started out with the double kick drum and he was just, they were showing on the video screens, they were showing his feet doing the double kick drum and then they'd, uh, pan up to his face and he's taking a towel and he's wiping off the sweat and uh and you know he did that a few times posing and then to the camera posing to the camera oh. and then uh yeah and then the part that i found really amusing was while he was doing his double kick he was very neatly folding up the towel that he'd wiped the sweat off his brow with <laughs> and <laughs> setting it aside you know yeah. it's like I, i'm in no rush you know i'm gonna do this right they aren't going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but um and and then the the drum set rises, right? That's know, and that's old a, school stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we used to see a band and uh they had a machine that turned the the drummer on its side. And okay. all that. And my wife was pointing, "Well, he, he didn't, you know, turn on its side." I go, "Yeah, honey, but you know, it's still really cool." Yeah, well, he, you know, cuz he's up there not he was up there, and you can clearly see he was not, like, strapped in. Yeah, he's so not going he, anywhere. Yeah, but he if he tumbles whatever or slips or whatever, he's going down for the count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was up there just going away, and as it goes up and down, and oh, it was amazing. I do think that uh, this thought ran through my head. I, I think that if I was the drummer, uh, you got to put a lot of faith and the people that set up that stage and those pyrotechnics, because those, as the drum riser rose, those pyrotechnics were going off right over his head. And there's flames shooting across both sides of his drum kit. Uh, and I, I was thinking to myself, man, if somebody just angled it just wrong, it's a bad night. <laughs> but, you know... It, that's the thing with hey, the kiss don't, show. Don't make that guy mad. Yeah, that's the thing with the kiss show is is there's such uh, professionals and perfectionists when it comes to the show that everything has to run right. And uh, there, Gene, I think that I I credit that to Gene. You know, the one thing that Kiss doesn't really do. Like we were talking to Peter last week from Peter One One Eight about connecting with the audience. Paul doesn't really connect with the audience. You can tell everything he said, he says every single night. He's not thrown for a loop. It's the same thing every single night. So, no, he doesn't really connect with the audience in that manner. But he connects in a different manner, which is the show. You're correct. Yeah. So, uh, what was your favorite song last night? Uh, you know what? I rocked out the hardest to the first two songs, Detroit Rock City and Deuce. Uh, Deuce is one of my favorite songs. Um, and if you go back and listen to the live albums, I'll say Kiss Alive 1 or 2, uh, you can hear Peter Chris play Deuce. He's the drummer. 
And then you go to Kiss Alive 3, where Eric Carr, who later died of cancer, uh, they loved Eric Carr. But you hear him play Deuce, and you're like, wow, you can hear how much better of a drummer Eric Carr is than Peter Chris. Um, same thing with Eric Singer, is you can hear how much better the songs sound with him than Peter Chris. So uh, the way they played Deuce with all the pyrotechnics and, the, and Detroit Rock City, man, it was a great way to start the show. I was all into it. I fell into a little bit of a lull in the middle uh, just because I was like, I, I want to go a two-hour show, but at the same time, I'm ready to, to go. <laughs> you know? So um, it was fun like that. But it was fun hanging out, too, and seeing all the people dressed up and hanging out with friends and stuff like that. So Yeah, I saw one of the people had the, the hay heels on, and it, it, they looked to be in some pain. Oh, the, the platform shoes? The platform shoes. Yeah, yeah they, the, they that looked, poor girl. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> that looked to be pretty painful at the, the end. Wasn't walking like she was uh, the first part of the night. Right. Um, you know, I I liked uh, uh, I like it. I love it loud. Right. And then the ending is always I rock mean, and roll just, all night. Yeah, because it's just a great finale. I, I was just uh, and uh, I was made for loving you. I think it's the song. Uh huh. Yes, that's the song I do know. So um, I was made for loving you. What did you think about David Garibaldi? Oh, it was really cool. Yeah. Now, yeah. David Garibaldi is a painter. He's from Sacramento. You've probably seen him on AGT. Um, he does this thing where he he's a performance artist. He puts music out there, and he paints in time with the music, and he comes up with these amazing paintings. Um, he did a tribute to uh, 9-11, which I thought was really cool because he started out by painting the Twin Towers, and you're like, oh, he's going to paint the Twin Towers here. Um, and then by the end of the song, you realize that he's painted upside down the Statue of Liberty, which was really cool. Um, he also raffled off a, a Kiss painting, and he did one other painting. But He did that upside down, too. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah he, yeah. he tends to paint upside down a lot. Sometimes okay. he paints in reverse, so you are actually seeing the reverse image, and then he flips it around. Um, he opened with Aerosmith's Miss Song, and I recorded that, so I'll post that too. Yeah, um, and he painted uh, Steven Tyler picture of Steven Tyler. Right. And so it was it, it was a great. He got the crowd all pumped, and you know a lot of people were just coming into the show and everything, but still um, got the crowd pumped and ready for Kiss. Right. And uh, by the way, that's the guy that I met at the NF show. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. Uh, yeah, David Garibaldi, you, you come up and said, hey, there's some guy down there. I, I don't know who he is. His, I haven't forgot his name because it is a unusual name to me. Right. Um, so when you were like, oh, that's so-and-so, I, I, I still remember that. Yeah. So uh, you had told me that he was down there, and, uh, man, I, I bolted out of my seat to rush down and meet David Garibaldi because he's one of my favorite artists. And uh, he was very nice. And he said, yeah, I saw you sitting up there and. Uh, we talked for a brief second, and uh, he took a picture. And a very nice guy, and he's from Sacramento. Yeah, you asked me to contact. Yeah, I'd people. love to get him on the show. Um, for the show, I will do that, and we'll see. What we'll happens. see what happens. Yes, that's. He, uh, I know he is a busy guy. Yeah. He is a busy guy, but he's got a great story too. 
So, um, and I believe he's a Christian guy. That'd be great. I believe he is. It'd be great to have him on the show. Yeah. So that was our night at Kiss, and it was everything you would hoped it would have been. Correct. Best show I've seen in Wheatland. I mean, it's not the best show of all time, but I've seen. What's your best show of all time? Oh man, uh, the Jesus Freak tour. Okay. Jesus talk. All right. That that's probably the did best. They, did they blow the stage up like kissing? No. No. Okay. No, they just with. I just can't the energy in the crowd because it was one of the last shows I went to with a whole it was at the old Arco Arena here and the whole uh floor was all standing room only. Yeah. And uh to see at the end everybody bouncing, them crowd sur- the band crowd surfing and all that. It, it was just an amazing night. And again, years ago I was younger, uh but it's probably the Kiss show is probably the best show I've seen in Wheatland, and uh, I was thinking I'd be like I'd like to see them once, and that's it. I tell you what, if they came back again, you go again, did, right? If they did End of the Road Part Two or Five or Six, <laughs> whatever it is, I would be right there, and I think my wife would go too. She's not a rock and roll uh, fan, uh, more of the contemporary pop hits, right? But. She had a great time last night. She told you. I had a great time. I was a little surprised. Yeah. I was glad then, to hear that. And then my my uh, youngest son and his girlfriend, they had a fantastic time. I think 18,000 or 15,000, whoever was there last night, if you went away not having a good time, uh, I guess you weren't looking at the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are, were other things to look, look at that night, but uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of spectacle in the crowd. Yes. But anyhow, uh, we're going to get back to music and uh, uh, more. We're going to play what? a Kiss song right now. Oh, we are? Yeah, God Gave Rock and Roll to You. you That's know? probably about the only appropriate song for this show, but uh, God Gave Rock and Roll for You. I'll give a little history for anybody that doesn't know, because your wife did say they were playing a Petra song, and I went... Oh, yeah, that's not Petra. That's actually a song written by Russ Ballard. It was performed by Argent back in the 70s. Uh, Petra, up until the time that Kiss did it, was probably the most famous for doing it. So Petra did it before Kiss? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they did it twice before Kiss. Okay. They, oh, yeah, right. they did it on Come and Join Us and later on Beat the System. Okay. And then uh, along came a little movie called Bill and Ted, uh, the second one. It's not an excellent adventure. It's the second one. But um, that that's where God not, gave the rock not, and roll. Not so good adventure? Yeah. Well, I liked the second one. You it did? Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. I did. I did. All right. So back to the... So and then Petra did the song. Yeah. I mean, no, then Kiss did the song. and Yeah. And, they, and it's kind of theirs now. Yeah. You know, I mean, for us in the Christian no, we know it as a Petra song. But uh, for everybody else, it's a Kiss song. So. I thought Kiss did it before... Uh, a petra but no nope. not not the case so. nope all, all right. right so here's kiss <laughs> i never thought i'd say this here's kiss on the rock soft musecast experience <laughs> hey this is p-funk bass player for Faithhead, and you're listening to rock salt but i don't really understand why it's called rock salt because they're not making any ice cream so don't expect anything good Rock Salt Musecast experience with Aaron and Dave. I stole it from me, Aaron. That's okay. <laughs> I stole it. <laughs> On right. the line, Young Lou. Yes. All the way from San Antonio, Texas, joining us today. Uh, I love the album, 
But then I saw the other day on on Spotify, you have it's called the new album Screw Version or whatever it's called. Can you explain that to an old white guy <laughs> what that's all about? Yes, hey, hey, just yes, real sir. quick before you do that, young Lou, uh, <laughs> I got to send you a link <laughs> to Aaron dancing to new kids on the block oh, yeah it is fantastic it is so it. funny yeah <laughs> if y'all send me that link i'll send y'all a link to me dancing to i want to that way and doing it as long as we, we can as long as we can post it no, <laughs> that's fine what we really want is ryan from newborn rapping we want like one of the early versions of him rapping if you got that on video because that would so be the great. early version the early versions you might not want to listen to them but <laughs> if you go on I got an Easter egg for you. I don't know if y'all know this, but if you go on my album Reignition, there's three songs on there with an artist named Little Ryan. Okay. That's Ryan. That is, oh, no oh, way. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's on the new album too, right? He's, yes, sir, on three other songs. Oh, so he is Little Ryan. Yes, sir. Oh, that's great. That's great knowledge. <laughs> okay, so okay, uh, go, yeah. back, go, go ahead. Go Real ahead. quick, because I don't want to sidetrack, because okay. this is a good story, but... Uh, is there any uh, any hope of you getting in and and rapping on one of Ryan's songs, like doing a little rap rock thing? So I guess I'll just, I'll just announce it here. I've talked to Ryan and Marco about doing like a Lincoln Park type of vibe and oh. doing some hip hop with rock. Yeah. I'll have Ryan on the chorus, Marco make the beat, and of course do the chords, and then I'll have the rap verses. See, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Can you tell Ryan that too? Because yeah, I'll tell Ryan that. I'll yeah. be like, dude. <laughs> I don't. I think, they, I think they're bigger than Reborn. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Me, honestly, I don't like uh, critiquing people's art. Yeah. Uh, because there's it's it's your art, and so I don't usually tell bands what they should do or what I think they should do. Except for this, I always. It's not a rap song, but I always tell rock bands they should cover Steve Taylor's. Jim Morrison's grave. It's a great song. Anyhow, oh, I'm getting yeah. way off track here. Okay, well, tell us back. about Screw. <laughs> tell about the Screw version. So, so back in 1992, there was a DJ based out of Houston, Texas, and this is before the, the Southern rap had. You know, it was all about East Coast and West Coast back in the early 90s, the mid 90s. So the South didn't really have like a pioneer in hip hop. Um, nobody would listen to Southern rappers because for whatever reason. Um, then there was a DJ in Houston. His name was DJ Screw. And in 92, 93, 94, he popularized um, his brand, basically. He was a real popular DJ, and he would drop cassette tapes with slowed-down music, and he called it the screw version, you know, DJ screws were the screw tape. And people wanted to uh, buy these. For whatever reason, it was just real popular. Um, people would buy screwed music, and he would get anyone, anyone from Phil Collins to Dr. Dre, he'd slow it down. And... Um, Eventually, he started getting instrumentals and getting local rappers from Houston and Texas after that on the screw tape. So if you were on a screw tape, it was a big deal because everyone was listening and playing these. So it's kind of how you got your buzz up, your promotion. Um, I mean, he had it was crazy because he had lines down the street every day. And he eventually had to open up his own business called the Screw Shop. It's, in Houston, it's still in Houston, Texas. Um, there's a coach, the, the coach down here, believe it or not, there's a lot of people who only listen to Chop and Screw music. And... Um, so me being from Texas, it's a way to pay homage, and it's also me knowing there's people that want to hear this. I dropped a screw version of my album, which a lot of artists down here already do. They, they drop their album, and then they'll drop a slow down version called the screw, the top of the screw version. See, and, I, um, I miss the old days, Aaron. When when before YouTube and Spotify and all that, where 
you had to get your underground music from the screw tape. Right. I mean, really, I'm not even making fun. It's that's cool that that's how we used to do it was handing off tapes, you know, yeah, oh, you got to check this so, band out. Yeah. And then he, their stories, I mean, like kind of like similar to NWA, they'd pull up to a parking lot or a club and they'd open the trunk of their car and they'd sell out and they're making a hundred grand a night because they're selling them for $10 and there's so many people that want them. It's maybe not a hundred grand, maybe 10 grand, but like, it, it's a lot of money coming from, you know, this is the early nineties. So I get inspired by that. I, I miss the old days because when I came in in 2010, People were still selling CDs. So I know what it is to press up your CD, press up some flyers, go to an event, promote yourself. And um, nowadays, it's all on Instagram and YouTube. And thank God I, I was able to see the old kind of hustle hustle day We had to hustle yourself and put a brand because I get the best of both worlds with it. And I know, hey, drop a screw tape. Don't just, you know. So not, to, uh, not to try to compare because I'm not. NWA to MC Hammer because that was kind of MC Hammer's story as well. When he was getting started out, he was selling his records out of the trunk of his car, and wow. he was getting offered, you know, these uh, these uh, contracts. But he was saying, uh, "Well, I make more than that selling them out of the back of my car. So what do I need you for?" <laughs> Independently, yeah, that's always gonna think too, like the label versus the independent independent artist and signed artist, you know. They have their pros and cons, each one of them. So, Well, I think it's so splintered nowadays that, uh, you know, we've talked to bands that don't care about being signed, and we've talked about bands that that is what they want, and that's fine. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, uh, it's so splintered nowadays because you can get your music on Spotify, and all someone has to do is hear your name to go check you out. Right. You know, they don't have to wait for somebody to give them a tape. So... That's the upside to it. You know, we've gotten listeners from all over the world, which totally astounds me because I never expected that in my life. Right. So. It's so easy to just do it yourself now. You can, you don't, you know, basically you don't need the record labels nowadays. You can just upload it to your, you upload it yourself and if you have it, you have it. Yeah, they're trying to figure out ways to stay viable and it's, it's a difficult job, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aaron, well, I, I I see on Instagram you're you're pretty good at self promoting, you know, which is you, which is which is great though. I mean, you you list you never have to search too far to see all your concert dates, where you're going to be, and how to get in contact with you, which is I think is is a must for a new artist or for artists to exist uh, to keep doing shows. Right. I learned from, from the old game. I, I saw, I saw when I first came in in 2010, I had a friend of mine who was a little older who was already in the rap game, in the rap music scene in San Antonio. And I would watch this, uh, this guy. Shout out to, he, he's actually saved as well now. So it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, everybody's coming to Christ. But I would watch him go to car shows and we'll be at like a Target and he'll see somebody who, who thinks might like hip hop. And he's like, hey, check this out, bro. I got this for you. And he'll just give him a CD. You know, I saw how he would build himself up, and um, I learned from that. You know, I'm just like I try to keep it and make it. Nowadays, I know, like, hey, if you're not posting at least once a week, once every other day, like, you're probably not gonna do it. Cause I want to make this my like everybody. They want to make this their full time job. 
And um, I just don't want to sleep on myself. I'm like, yo, I need to promote. I need to brand it. I need to only talk about my music on this page. Don't post that I'm at ATB getting groceries. Don't post that, I'm, you know. <laughs> and, so I try to I try to do my, the best I can. I appreciate that so much. Hey, we're looking for a full-time uh, social media guy, so <laughs> y- you could technically make it full-time. <laughs> oh, wow. It doesn't doesn't pay much. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, it pays what our salaries do. <laughs> doesn't pay we're anything. We're all but... trying to get there. <laughs> That's true. So where is this? I mean, you got the album out. What does the future look like? I mean, what what's the the dream to, to so, say? I mean, of course, to live off of my music, I want I want to, before it was all about me, I want to be the best rapper in my city. I want to have every, all eyes on me and do it. I wanted to prove myself. But um, I realized after the 10 years, I proved myself pretty early, like by my third or fourth year. I, everybody kind of like killed all the doubters. So I was lost for like six years. It goes back to that whole thing. Like, I, I wanted this rap stuff so bad. And then I, I got the little popularity, the little buzz I had. And like, what do I do now? And for years, I was kind of lost. And then when I came to Christ, I realized that, yo, I don't need to prove myself. I, I am saved by grace. I'm, I, uh, I am a child of God. I don't, he loves me for who I am. So at this point now, but as far as the future, I just, I just want to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and do what I believe he put me here to do with my gift of music. And um, what, what comes after that is just kind of getting better at my craft, getting more into my word, because now, I can rap, but the first album was, if you, I don't know if you caught this, but the whole first album was just testimony. I wasn't really preaching. So now it's, it's my duty to get into my word and be able to put in song form the gospel because make better songs, make better music because now now it's game time. Let's go save some souls, you know? Minister to music. <laughs> Let's go save some souls. Uh, that's game time. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you uh, freestyle? So that whole first album was freestyle. Yes, sir. All right. That's, that's pretty cool. I, I haven't written a verse since I've been saved. And I got convicted last week, actually. The, the Lord told me, he said, how are you going to freestyle everything when you come over here, but you want to write for the enemy? I said, ooh, okay, I need to start writing some. Oh, he challenged. Down and think about it. He threw yeah. down the gauntlet, Aaron. He threw down the uh, yeah. <laughs> the golden chalice. <laughs> he said, you'll write a song when it's about the enemy, when it's about when it's about depression, but you won't write a song for me? I said, okay, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm getting so much confirmation now. <laughs> it's it's kind of scary. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Hey, we we should have you do a, uh, a freestyle ID for us. That would yeah, be funny. A bumper. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> it's great, though, that you have some support in San Antonio with all these uh, uh, Christian bands that are, uh, like yourself, trying to uh, make it um, where it's full-time and also uh, avoid the dangers of the music industry. Because you said, right. you know, you were rapping, hanging around people that you shouldn't have, and um, that may have been due to, to uh, you know, being in the rap scene and the music mm-hmm. scene. Uh, you know, you could talk to a lot of artists uh, how, uh, you know, their lifestyle from the music scene led to bad things. But it's great mm-hmm. that you have all these Christian artists that you can kind of lean on, pray with, and uh, really overcome some of the trappings of the music scene. Right. So since you got uh, all these bands down there in San Antonio, do you guys uh, play a lot of the same shows since you're rap and they're rock? And are you guys playing any of the same shows? Do you get the same fans? Uh, so, what's the scene like? 
so a lot of the the, the rock scene, uh, of course, they all they're they're all on a lot of the Christian bands get on secular shows um, because there's uh, I mean there's not really a Christian rock scene, but there is a rock scene. So a lot of the Christian bands will get up there and and I, I mean I love it. Like we're reborn. Like hey, uh, get out get out of the four walls and go go be the light. You know, go into the darkness and be the light. So um, as far as the rock scene, there's not a Christian rock scene really, but there is a rock scene. Um, the Christian hip hop scene, there's a secular scene and a, of course a Christian hip hop scene. Um, because nowadays everybody and their grandmother rap. But uh, there is a Christian <laughs> Granny <now>. rap. <laughs> yeah, granny rap. <laughs> granny rap. That's my favorite yeah. rap. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's cool about it though is is yes, to answer your question, yes, we're all uh, the, the hip hop side is all on the same shows more or less because um, everybody knows that hey, come over here, we all minister some music, let's get together. The city's really good about that. What I like about Reborn though is because Ryan started out in hip hop, they know a lot of the rappers know who Ryan is, and um, because of that, they met Marco and the guys, and they're bringing Reborn onto a lot of the hip hop shows. So I've been telling Ryan like, "Yo, you're crossing over, bro. You're on both sides." So I think it's really cool that like he's kind of bridging that gap with Reborn because um, he's on a lot. He's headlining a lot of the hip hop shows as Reborn. Yeah. See, so you, so guys like got, you guys got you guys got to do a rap rock sort of thing. I'm telling him he's got to do that. Y'all got to talk to Ryan for me. (laughs) Call it Reborn Lou or something like that. Um, (laughs) Lou's Reborn. (laughs) He can can be Chester Bennington. I'll be Mike Tenota. Thinking Park vibe. All right. Well, um, Aaron. You got anything? I, well, how can they get a hold of you? How what, Instagram, Facebook, what's that? So I have a Facebook. It's under Young Lou, and that's Y-U-N-G, Young without the O. I'm weird. I was 18. I'm sorry. But Y-U-N-G-L-O-U, that's what I call myself. And um, so that's Facebook. But on Instagram, uh, C Lou, B-R-O-O-K-S-C-I-T-Y-L-O-U. Um, and that's pretty much Instagram. Like, like, like I said, Instagram has everything you need. It's there. Booking features, whatever you want to do. YouTube channel. Um, I'm just trying to stay obedient. YouTube. Oh yes, I'm sorry. YouTube. Um, Don't forget YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same thing. Y U N D L O U. YouTube. It's all there. Um, I've been saved for the past ten months. I'm sorry if you hear anything from the last nine years. I apologize in advance. <laughs> <laughs> Get them out of the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's great. So, I mean, it's great though. I mean, people hear. The old Lou, or whatever you want to call the it, old Lou. the old Lou. The, That's me now. The, I'm the, old Lou. The the the, the, ro- the the Lou in the world, and now the Lou in Christ. You know, and that's great. They'll be able to understand. It's just like you know, saving Jackie, Jackie on acid, and they, hey, they're they're back playing, and yep. those aren't the the songs you used to play. <laughs> but it, it's right. great though. People see the difference. And like a, a quick story, I had a a, a buddy of mine uh, led worship at a church, and there was a guy that came. And, uh, he st- you know, he continued to come to church and he goes, and I asked him one time, why did you stay around? He goes, I saw the guy playing the piano up in front of the worship and I saw the smile on his face and I see in his heart and I wanted that for myself. And I wow. think people will see the change in you, you know, uh, you know, still, you, you mentioned depression, but still battling that, but overcoming that. And putting a smile on your face and the, just the joy in your heart, people will see that, and they'll be like, "I want to be like Young Lou," and I, I, I believe that's going to happen for you. Amen. I want to leave y'all real quick with this too. Um, a lot of Christian artists, 
for whatever reason, that's a whole other story, but for whatever reason, they don't like to share the old music or share the life they used to live. And me, for me, it's testimony. I'm going to leave that there because I need people to understand where I came from. Like, I didn't, you would think I didn't need God because I had everything I wanted, speeches from well-known artists, um, the view count was there. Like, why did, like, you had all that and you still chose God? I need them to understand that, yo, God is greater than anything you can have in the world, I promise. And this is, you know, I want them to see that transition. It's a testimony for me so, so they can see, like, oh, he used to rap about that. And, I, and that's why I do it. I just want to put that out there. That's why I do it. That's why I leave my old material up. Nice. That's great. Nice. So we'll be seeing him on an episode of Cribs sometime soon, Aaron. <laughs> wow, yes, <yeah, sir. laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Him, him and little Ryan. Yeah. You know, <laughs> little Ryan. Little Ryan. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have to think of something for that, oh, man. Oh, yes. <laughs> and go listen to the little Ryan features on the album and, and let, let me know what y'all think. Oh, I... I I, I kind of wonder is that is that little Ryan as Ryan Garza from Reborn? Yeah, and I was like, it's really good. He can go back and forth, uh, and I don't see any reason why you can't. You know, at least like when you guys play a show together, just do a Lincoln Park cover, just yeah, do something like go. that, I, right. and see what we'll the audience. A, we'll do a Run DMC Aerosmith, and we'll rock this uh, walk this way. And Guarantee you, you'll get the biggest applause of the night. Yep. You do that right, <laughs> yep. you'll get the biggest applause of the night, and it'll be a, and not a Christian in there will think anything of it. But hey, that was a lot of fun, and the kids loved right. it. Well, you know, we were right. talking to Ryan uh, last time about about a, a Christmas cover album. You got you should do uh, a Christmas in Hollis. Oh yeah. <laughs> right, so I was actually I was actually in the background watching his son trying to keep him quiet while he was on the interview before I popped in, yeah. and I heard that part, and and I looked at him actually when he was doing the interview, and I was nodding my head. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> See, it'd be great. A total yeah. a total fun. San Antonio Christmas. Oh yeah. Cover album. You got to do Christmas in Hollis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fire. Hey, uh, thank you very much, uh, Young Lou, for being on the show today, and we appreciate yes, it. Sir. Go check out Young Lou on Spotify. And uh, what's the name of the album, Lou? Reignition. Say it, say it again. Reignition. Reignition. Yeah, and check out the Screw version, too. That That's cool. I haven't listened to it yet, but I, I'm, I'm going to. Way so. to plug it. Yeah. Check it out. I haven't checked it out myself, but you check it out because it's supposed to be great. So, so with with crew music, what you do is you you turn it on and you just cruise. You have to you have to drive slow. Just cruise. That's okay. That's what you got a slow roll. <laughs> yeah. So so we'll listen to it in the car when I'm driving because my wife drives faster than I do. We'll watch an so. episode of Friday so you can get up to speed. Okay. I, right. I'll show you right. all the stuff you need to know, Aaron. Right. See. Well, thank you very much. And uh, again, if you're listening, check out uh, Young Lou on Spotify. And here is another song by Young Lou on Rock Salt Musecast Experience. This is Coffee Shop Keegan from Dead Set, and you're listening to Rock Salt Radio. 